Hey guys, brand new podcast, and motherfucker, I hit this one out of the park. <laughs> this is a great fucking interview. Really? This is, I'm telling you, I've gotten so much better. I enjoy your notes that you guys send me, and I, I like them. I don't like them when they're shitty all the time. Some people send shitty ones. Sometimes I block those people. I, there's a guy in Australia that I had to fucking, that just the way he said it was so shitty. Oh, but, but, that's a bummer. I know, but but it was an accurate assessment of an interview of mine. I should unblock him. I just forgot who it was. I was emotional at the time. But I'm my interview style is not traditional. I obviously <laughs> don't listen super well. Um, uh, what I about do, you is traditional? When I do good interviews... Um, when I do good interviews... the. Like today, I really am proud of the interview I did today, and 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 the ones coming up, we have some really great, really great ones. I think I've just gotten better by receiving the notes that I get on Twitter, I get on Instagram. So thank you, everyone, and, and for anyone that I've blocked, I apologize. If you can have your friend hit me up and go, "Yo, you blocked my friend. He said something shitty about the interview. You did this, and he what didn't mean it." But but this one's a great fucking interview. I am a huge fan of Tom Green's. I've been a fan of Tom Green's since he first came onto MTV. That's where I discovered him, and. Uh, and I, I just had a great fucking conversation with them. And we've been texting. We're going to go out drinking one night. Um, I did not expect as much as I got. The, I, be very quite honestly, the companion piece to this, I would listen to Tom and Push's interview with Tom Green. Yeah. Because Tom and Push on your mom's house have one of the most captivating interviews. And I had listened to that. So I didn't cover any of the stuff that they covered. Maybe I covered one or two topics, but quite honestly, not much at all. That's great, and so I and so it was very good to be able to listen to someone, and then and then try to have a, a more um, coverall interview with them. But uh, it's a great fucking interview. I'll, I'll announce it at the end of this. We're gonna do a little reads. We're gonna do tour dates. Brea, I am there New Year's Eve, uh, the twenty eighth, twenty ninth, thirtieth, and thirty first. That's my love last club date. Although I have a feeling. Um, Big news to announce. I can't announce it yet, but um, really, I have a feeling that the the hiatus I was planning on taking in between tours after Australia is going to be a little lighter than I thought once initially thought. What's that? This, oh, let me see that. Let me see that. Yeah, I know. Body Shots World Tour. We have added second shows to Vancouver at the Vogue Theater. Um, second show is almost sold out. I tell you the exact percentage. Twenty percent tickets left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm supposed to do that. But uh, on on uh, January 13th, Boston, the 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 27th on the 27th, the 9:45 show is the only one with tickets left. So that's that's on January 27th at the 9:45. Every other show is sold out. I think that's basically the same scenario as Vancouver, roughly. It's exactly 80. percent So there's. So if you want to get tickets, you're not supposed to tell people your percentage. Why? Because I don't know. I don't know. Well, who cares? Uh, what does it matter? Durham 93. <laughs> So there's only like seven percent tickets on this on the seventh in Durham on the second show, Charlotte on the eighth. Eighth of what? Eighth of February, uh, Orlando on the tenth. Uh, these February? these are the only ones with the remaining tickets, uh, technically. That uh, so these are the second shows added. Orlando with the Hard Rock on Jan on February tenth. The third show added in Tampa on on Thursday is uh, on I guess the fourteenth is almost sold out. Uh, same with Fort Lauderdale on the 16th. New Orleans, the Joy Theater, we've added a second show there on the 21st of February. Milwaukee on the 30th, the second show, same as the other ones, almost sold out. So I'm just telling you this. I want you guys to come see me. This is a new hour material, and the best um, joke that I have ever told on stage is in this chunk. The proudest I am of one piece, 
And once I do the special, I'm going to do a companion piece with this special. Um, it's going to be released. This is very far out, but uh, but I want to I want to walk through all the bits and kind of do like a director's. Kind of might do that at secret time. Oh, secret do it on, time. release it on the special and then walk you through. Just like for like real inside baseball people who love comedy, right? Because storytelling so different than joke writing, like mystery jo- science theater. Uh, no, no, not at all. Oh, really, okay. but uh, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so, an Australia went on sale. Uh, Brisbane sold out already in pre-sale, so we've added a second show in Brisbane. So we're doing two shows in Brisbane, and anywhere it sells out in Australia, I'll just add a second show, even if it only gets to like fifty percent sold. I just want. I, like I'm not coming down there for a full year and I want everyone that wants to see me to come see me. Uh, and the girls are coming with me on Australia. I'm trying to convince them to come to Europe. I think all the shows in Europe are sold out and I want the girls to come over and see that. I think that's just so cool. Europe's so fucking different. Yeah, um, And I'd love for you to do that and then I'd love to do a stop in Paris and let Georgia try to practice her French. Well, we'll have to see. We have to see what our schedule. She like. was definitely speaking a little French at the mall today. She's oui? she was speaking biatch. <laughs> really, because it was being returned very fluently by her dad. <laughs> I think actually is victim. <laughs> victim Victoria. Victim Victoria. <laughs> That's Isla Grace with the pretty face over on the side. How was the fight between me and Georgia today, Isla? <laughs> it was in front of Sandals. <laughs> It was in front of Santa, and I wouldn't call it a fight. I would call it dueling tantrums. I, I would call it a, a war. It I would call it, yeah, it was dueling back tantrums. Back and forth. Who? I was like, Dad was like, oh, I guess we're just not going to see Santa. Let's just all go home. Yeah. And the AC. It was victim Victoria well, well, versus fair, victim fair, Victor. To be for, fair. Uh-huh. Just so to put it in context, we were at the mall. We were shopping. And there was a short line to go see Santa. And the girls are at an age where that's not cool anymore. Right. And not only is it not cool, Georgia's dressed in like her high school sweatsuit for like working out and has her hair in a ponytail and she has finals tomorrow so oh, oh, she don't was drop oh no no the fucking finals it's true off. this is listen, what pissed no, me off in the mall no but th- listen you have to you you've got to know that you and your daughter are totally different about being accountable for things like oh i don't know schoolwork don't. and it means a lot to her no, no, okay okay so stop really it right stressed. there no I'm let's just finish. be let's just no be. i'm gonna finish <laughs> she was really clear that it was going to stress her out a bit to go to the mall. Now, she totally overreacted, but it wasn't like it was just out of the blue from nowhere. She totally overreacted, but she thought, I'm going to run out of time at the mall. I'm going to be here this whole time, and I will not have bought a single gift, and I still have to study for finals. It was just a quick stop to go see Santa. Yes. And she threw a tantrum, and I responded (laughs) by saying in In my head, do you want to see what a fucking tantrum looks like? I am 46 years old and I will burn this to the goddamn ground. I will make it so that this, you talk about this in therapy in 10 years. That's how fucking. It was not good parenting. It was, what do you mean it wasn't great? It was, it was, it was not good parenting. I parented both of you. I parented Isla. Hey, Who? it's exactly the same when Isla and I tantrum at each other and you parent both of us. <laughs> it was the same exact scenario. You we're not having it. What's the difference between mom having a tantrum and dad having a tantrum, Isla? You guys are quiet and just like victimizing each other. It's like, no, I'm the bigger victim. No, no, I'm the bigger victim. No, I am the huge victim. No, I'm the humongous victim. <laughs> and then with What's me and mom, it's just like, stop! 
Get away from me. <laughs> we fight. Yeah, you guys fight. George and fight. I just victimize each other. You guys just become, who's the biggest murderer? I'll light myself on fire in the middle of the street. I'll light myself on fire in front of a tank. And I'll light myself on fire in front of all these people and a tank. <laughs> to win, to win. I'll show you what a victim looks like. All right, victim, you don't even know victim. Yes, right. And like in the car when the AC wasn't working, it was me and Dad were in the back, and the AC was locked. And then we had, Dad was like, "Oh, I think we're gonna die." I wasn't saying we we're gonna die. I was saying I can't. Somebody- say, I can't talk to you while I'm this hot. <laughs> and by the way, I just said to Leanne the other day, "I'm not having any more temper tantrums in life." You said no. What you said was you did say that. But you also said, I think I may be really reactive. <laughs> and I said, you think? <laughs> and you said, I'm going to try to stop doing that. Well, epic fail when in she, front of Santa. But there was this all happened in front of Santa. In front of Santa. <laughs> Poor Santa was like, do you guys want to take separate fuck? pictures? All right. <laughs> Let's have individuals with Santa. Oh. I thought I would have been fine. We could have gone. When I, when, when I realized... I, there was a there was a, there was a flip a switch that flipped in my head and I was like, oh, you're dealing with a pro here. Do you want to see what a victim looks like? Oh, I will fucking out victim the fuck out of you in front of Santa. I will make this so fucking memorable for everyone watching. These elves are gonna be drinking at a bar going, we had a fucked up day. Oh, remember that dad? What an <laughs> what an asshole. There was like this girl that was like, well, uh, and you're like, no. I guess we're just gonna leave. Okay, <laughs> bye. And this girl was like, "Um, but you, you can't leave. You're you're in line." And then he was just there in the middle and of. And then one of dude it. said, "Uh, the one blonde guy that looked like Jake Paul goes, uh, Merry Christmas." <laughs> right. This podcast is brought to you by Hims. Hims is one stop shopping for all male, kind of like wellness products. Oh. Hair loss, ED. Isla, do you have a problem with ED? Yes, I do. Jeez, Isla, <laughs> leave the room while we talk about this. Listen, ED isn't just for guys older than 40s. It happens to guys that are younger than 40, and they struggle with the same problems that guys in the, over the 40s. And, and the thing that's great about HIMS is they have straight up generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you combat ed no snake oil pills that you get over the counter for at the gas station what what is really interesting is the one pill i think we all know my daughter's in the room so we're gonna dance around this the one pill that starts with a v and reminds you of that vacation spot in uh in uh just above buffalo port of iarda vape Niagara Falls. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Niagara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they named it. Did you know that? Uh-uh. They wanted you to feel like you had the power of Niagara Falls behind Nuh-uh. you. Swear to God. That's not true. It's, a, it's 100% true. They do that Wait, with all... are you talking about vape? I'm talking about vapes. We're, yeah, Isla, vapes. Anyway, that pill just came off the, uh, off the patent December 11th, and that changed the game. So now you don't have to worry about going to a doctor, sitting in a waiting room, telling a nurse this awkward story about what's going on with you. And by the way, it isn't awkward. It happens to a lot of guys. Over 25% of these cases are guys <laughs> under 40. What are you laughing about? <laughs> I want to know what Isla's thinking about <laughs> while you're talking about this because her eyes are darting back and forth like, what, what? <laughs> Do you have an, don't worry, Isla. Just keep your mouth shut until I get done with the read. <laughs> uh, 
it's it's absolutely fantastic. You just go online. You uh, you you do take this survey online. You talk to a doctor online, and then they prescribe you what you need. And it's online. All the stuff you need without the all the e without the d. Eid. Eid, Isla. I'm selling Eid here. <laughs> Don't you want to be the guy that can walk into the room and go, say hello to my little friend. Hello to my little friend. You're going to say hello to mine. Oh, yeah. Do you know what we're talking about, Isla? Uh, no. So, uh, yeah, it's a confidential review. You talk to a doctor online. And right now, here's the deal. You can try Hems for a month today for just $5. We'll get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last. Go to the website to see the full details. This would literally cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Just go to forhims.com slash BurtCastED. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash BurtCastED. Forhims.com slash BurtCastED. Nice. The space is in that. There's no, uh, there's no space. I mean, there's, <laughs> you're typing it online. There's no spaces. This podcast is also brought to you by ButcherBox. Mother fucker i love butcher box yeah it's awesome god i love we just got our butcher box butcher box shipment <laughs> sent to us the other day open it up and it it looked like a cornucopia of protein it was a cornucopia of protein there's something very primal in me that when i get those butcher boxes and i'm sifting through it it's almost like christmas for a man I'm pulling out pork chops. I'm t- pulling out a, a shoulder rib roast, a shoulder roast. I'm pulling out chicken. I'm pulling out pork. I saw the bacon and I go, that's free bacon for life. That's all I yep. can think. That's free bacon for life. Yep. But the, it, it really is amazing. I love Butcher Box. And I'm, if you're like me and you're trying to stay healthy, this is the place to go. This Butcher Box, first of all, 100% grass fed and finished beef, free range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork. That's old world pork before they bred out all the fat and flavors to make the other white meat. This is how pigs were meant to taste, and it is unbelievable. You can taste it in the meat. There is a huge difference in animals that were raised on pa- on a pasture and those fed grain and concentrate animal feedlot operations. And don't forget the salmon. Oh. <laughs> Remember that s- salmon was beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the salmon that... that it's that high-end salmon you get that you'd get at a... At a Fresh caught? Dude, it is phenomenal. It's beautiful. Butcher Box delivers 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your door on a monthly basis. I su- highly suggest you sign up for this. It's so nice to not think and know that there will be meat at your house, that for breakfast you can grill up a pork chop and a fried egg or a steak and a fried egg and and just have this meat. I'm telling you, if you're like me and you want to throw a lot of protein in your diet... This is what you need, this monthly subscription. And grass-fed protein is is the healthiest for you. If you have an Instapot, you can cook all of it from frozen. Yeah, well, let's not get into Instapotting. Well, I mean, that's that's good. Like, if you already have that appliance and you have all this frozen I know what you're going to ask, Isla. Are the products humanely raised? No, no, no. Because they are, and they're never given antibiotics or hormones. What do you want, Isla? Um, Isn't there, like, a wild pig running around that's pooping on all of the... um, Lettuces. Lettuces. Uh, yeah, maybe that's a fact we don't want to include in our butcher box read <laughs> island. But yeah, yeah, there is. <laughs> it's not one of these. These are old breed pork, Isla. That's old world pork. <laughs> it's hard to find high quality meat you can trust. None of these none of these shit box pigs are out there shitting on our lettuce. Butcher box is changing that and they're offering free shipping anywhere in the forty eight states. Free shipping. 
Not only is it convenient, the taste is fucking unbelievable, and that is a huge difference in flavor between animals raised on pastures and those fed <laughs> the grain fed. Anyway, there's no commitment. You can cancel whenever you want. Just enjoy it, okay? Right now. What are you fucking, what are you two laughing at? What the fuck are you two laughing at? What are you guys laughing at? She's over there making faces at me <laughs> while you're reading. I'm trying to get through a read, Isla. She's going like this. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Each box comes with at least nine to eleven pounds of meat, which is enough for oh twenty. My God. No shit, eleven pounds of fucking meat taken to your door. Oh my gosh! You can choose from five different types of boxes. You can get all beef. You can get beef and chicken, beef and pork. The mixed boxes, which we got, or you can do your own custom box that lets you choose your own cuts. Takes the middleman, the grocery store, out of the collective ranch it's i'm telling you right now you want to buy your meat at lower cost this is a way to do it the price right now is 129 dollars a month that works out ultimately to about six dollars per meal for meat you're never going to find that anywhere wait 11 pounds is 129 dollars per month which works out to about six dollars per meal that's pretty great and shipping is free nationwide except in obviously alaska and hawaii which wait, they wait what about the ones up top the north pole and the downwards pole yeah they 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 don't get free shipping isla oh. new subscribers right now will receive twenty dollars off plus free bacon by going to butcherbox.com slash bert you heard that right now new subscribers will receive twenty dollars off plus free bacon by going to butcherbox.com slash bert do me a favor tag me take a picture of your butcher box tag me in it and I want to see you and your family just making it rain meat. Thank you, Butcher Box. What's up, George? I have no idea where you were. We're on here doing reads. We got one more read. We're doing a read for Robin Hood. Do you want to stick around? We already talked about our fight. Okay. Teens these days. Teens these days. This podcast is also brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investment app that lets you buy and sell stocks. ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make the financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Non-intimidating way for a stock market newcomer like yourself or myself to invest for the first time with true confidence. Simple and intuitive, simple, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest kind of way. Here's what you want. If you, the stock market can be fun. Yeah, okay. totally. it doesn't have you don't have to throw your life savings into this no. you can just play around with it totally. and it gives you something to when you get up in the morning when you sit down on the toilet and you take a shit you look at instagram you look at twitter and then you're like oh let's check out robin let's see how my stocks are doing Dad, and once yeah that's baby only you everyone gets on their phone when they wake up isla not everyone the i get on the a lot of people take shits and look on their phone isla uh, I most don't. people can you not anyway this gives you one more thing to check and for fun other brokerages firms will cause charge you ten dollars per trade. Robinhood Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees, so that's ten extra dollars on your in your pocket. You're keeping all the profits. It's super easy to use. They go they give you charts and market data, places a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. That's all you got to do, four taps, and it also lets you view stock collections like the hundred most popular uh, stocks, the sectors of entertainment and social media. Female CEOs, Isla. Female CEOs. I don't know, but I think you'd be interested in it. It's super easy, and it's a fun way to learn how to do it. Learn how to invest and build your own portfolio. Robinhood is the place you want to go. 
Discover new stocks, trade your favorite companies with personalized news feed, custom notifications for price <laughs> movements. You're never going to miss. How great is it that phones, can you imagine buying and selling stocks in, in, in like the 20s? Yeah, right. And you, now it's just right at your fingertips? It's super easy. Yeah. I, my wife's reading text and not involved in this read. That's Here's what you true. do. That's not true. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. That's right. You heard me right. They're giving you a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at BurtCast.com robinhood.com that's bertcast.robinhood.com bertcast.robinhood.com thank you to all my sponsors if you enjoy the podcast just support my sponsors come see me on tour come see my guests on tour and support the sponsors it's all free content i hope you're enjoying it new something's burnings out with uh greg fitzsimmons and best stelling i just did one last night with dono rollins and red grant i did another one with joe coy and heather mcdonald i did another one with brian regan and tom papa those are all found on youtube at something's burning i think at all things comedy but uh i'm telling you man this is the year of free content all i ask support my sponsors come see me on tour maybe go to my merch Go to my Burt, Burt, Burt.com and buy a shirt or something. Or some Secret Time Pajamas. Yeah, Secret Time Pajamas. Let me tell you something. I dare you to buy seven Secret Time Pajamas right? for your wife. Uh, you're, you won't be the first person because I think a few people have bought seven pairs of Secret Time Pajamas to wrap and put under the tree. Do you have a, or do you have a pair of Secret Time Pajamas, Isla? Oh, I gave them to Georgia. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a sister Georgia loves them. Isla, is there anything you have to promote this week? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> Leanne, is there anything you have to promote? Yeah, oh, you. oh, I promote I promote for us to get a, a, a bull mastiff. We already have a bull mastiff. No, you, we were conversationing about this later. and About it was, getting a new bull mastiff yeah. so she could be um, mentored by Priscilla. Uh-huh. Well, I, I will have to discuss keep, that at another point. I think it would keep Priscilla point. really young. Well, you have to figure out the timing of that mastiff. with all this travel that's happening. I can't raise a puppy and be traveling. I know I I'll be traveling. You'll be home with the puppy. Well, I think I, I think you just announced How about How about this, Isla? How about yeah. this, Isla? We get a new bull, mast- bull mastiff puppy for Priscilla to keep Priscilla young and vibrant. And adorable. Right after we get back from Australia. Yes. Okay. That would work for me. Yes, we're kidding. Yeah. That would work for me. But wait, wait. Because we we're gonna... home, basically. Well, not, not when we're back from Australia. Okay. When we're back from visiting right now, Nana and people. Papa and Papa Jay. Okay. There's a lot of people going, I don't need to know this, Bert. <laughs> no, people like it. Okay. People oh, like really? It. Little Miss yeah, Podcast like over it. here. She gets uh, 100 podcasts on her belt. It's not 100. It's only 52. Okay. <laughs> it's half off. All right, let's I, go eat dinner. Wait, you didn't let me promote. Oh, Leanne, do you have anything to promote? Yes, I do. I have a fabulous podcast called Wife of the Party. You can find it at wifeotp.com O-T-P. or on YouTube oh, or yeah. on iTunes or on Google Play. Who'd you have on this week? I don't know. Who was this week? Oh, Christelle. She was a healer. A what? A really great conversation with a healer. She, we were talking about suffering and oh, and how people. Um, I know they've been tacking up my. Feet. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Last so anyway, uh, last week was raising teenagers. Ooh. This week's going to be who's this week? Oh, Christelle is this week. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. 
Fantastic. Very yeah. proud of you, baby. Thanks, babe. <gasps> I'm proud of you, too. And I'm proud of Isla. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm so good at this stuff. You are so good at oh. this stuff. Wait, you just talk in your own fucking voice. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> and not make goofy faces at me the whole time. The whole time she was going like this. Ah. No, I was like, <sighs> she was making a Bernie Mac <sighs> face. Guys, this week's podcast <laughs> is a burner. I love it. I hope you enjoy it as much as uh, I enjoyed having the conversation with him. Uh, you can find him on tour, I think, at TomGreen.com. Yep, at TomGreen.com. He is on tour currently right now. Um, he is uh, He's just the best, man. You know him from Tom Green Show? You know Tom Green. If you don't know Tom Green, then I'm sorry, man. You should probably unsubscribe to me right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Green. Yeah. This is We got it. Are you good? Oh, we're recording now. Are you cool? Yeah, turn this off here. Um, I've, off my phone. I've got the your song stuck in my head. I can't stop looking at my Instagram. Oh, okay. I can't. I just watched your hour that you put up on YouTube the other oh, day. Wow. Okay. Just cool. watched it this morning. Jeez. Okay. So I'm, I could jump right into this interview. All right. Sure. Yeah. I have so much I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Um, are you good to hang out for like a little over an hour? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I won't, I won't keep you too long. No problem. Um. Thanks for having me. This is cool. No, dude. I've been wanting to come for a long time. You know, we've, we've been, been trying to figure this out. Yeah, it's you know traveling, and then I'm gone, and yeah. I'm in town, you're in town, and I'm I'm out of town, and you're out of town, or whatever. Um, so you know what I mean? I uh, <laughs> I have so much I want to. First of all, I have to say I'll say it one more time for those listening. I will not redo Tom and Push Christina Pajinski's podcast with you. Oh, awesome! Because it was so fucking good. Okay, it was so good. I Thanks, was. Yeah, like, I had a great time. Yeah, and yeah. and they were you know like. They're great interviewers, but for some reason they were really great interviewers with you. And it was like all the questions I had, okay, about your parents, the, inter the relationship with your parents, and how yeah. they reacted to the slutmobile. And it's cool that you listen to it though, and then then are gonna not ask the same questions. I may ask a couple, but yeah. <laughs> but what what I the one thing I was fascinated by, yeah, that I don't think was covered entirely was. Um, your emotional journey uh -huh, through sure. all of that okay, because because yeah. you're you know the first thing i said so i go to look at your your stand-up today i take a look at it yeah I just, and i uh, see hints of tom green that i knew uh -huh. when i fell in love with you in college and i was watching you and i was like holy shit dude what the fuck i mean I, you'll never get to experience that of guys bringing other guys in and showing them something uh-huh and, and being cool knowing that you're showing someone something cool uh -huh. Uh -huh. and then everyone like dude we gotta do a bong rip and watch this one more time <laughs> nice yeah but, well I certainly did that myself a lot with a lot of stuff over the years I appreciate yeah I appreciate it Thanks. but what's crazy is I thought how weird is it to be in a business now st doing stand-up touring peers with so many people you influenced yeah I mean, so oh, many I of influenced us. Or, or uh, I also, also me, a lot Segura, Dalia, yeah. uh, fucking Brennan Shaw, Brian Callen, uh, Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe. I mean, all of us, all of us were were children. And like twenty, what you you got fame at like twenty five, twenty two. Uh, I was like, well, in in the in the U.S., my show started on MTV when I was twenty eight. So twenty eight. I was started the show in Canada about five years before that. So yeah, but I wasn't really. I was living in my parents' basement then, so I don't know if I was <laughs> getting fame. I was having fun making videos, though. Yeah. But what's it like <laughs> knowing, in a weird way, that your sensibility? Well, I mean, I, I I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I I so there's so many amazing 
you know, people out there that are doing amazing things, independent things, you know, which is how I started, you know, making my own stuff. And we didn't have the ability to make podcasts in 1994, you know? So, so it's like cool to hear that. Cause you know, like, I mean, I, I I've become friends with a lot of people that grew up watching my show and now are like doing amazing, huge things like yourself and, and, and everyone you mentioned and others. And I also gotten to know like a lot of people that I grew up like being a huge fan and Letterman. By. Yeah. Like doing, yeah. I never really got to hang out with Letterman so much. I got to do a show a couple times, but, but like when I was doing my Webovision show, which was basically kind of like a video podcast, like, you know, I invited, you know, tons of people up and Norm McDonald. Norm McDonald got to hang. Got to become become friends with Norm. Got to become friends with Andrew Dice Clay. You know, got to become like real good friends with Andrew Dice Clay. You know, so it's, it's kind of like surreal, I, I guess, on that level too for me. I still feel like a, you know, just the same uh, goofy kid that was growing up in Canada, sort of wide-eyed and amazed with comedy and wanting to try to figure out how to to do that. And uh, every time I, you know would meet somebody who would come to my podcast who I grew up watching. I was kind of like a nervous wreck, you know, a little bit sort of shocked that they were in my house. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. It's a, I think there's a great camaraderie in, in the comedy business right now. I don't know if it's always been like that. I'm not sure. It has not. Always been it like has that. not. Yeah. I think people are very supportive of one another right now. I think yeah. it's really cool. You know, you go down to the comedy store, everybody's like, you know, talking backstage and friendly and, you know, encouraging each other. I think that's amazing. So, so before we, I want to talk about the emotional journey. Cause I, that mm-hmm. for me is I'm always fascinated by like the ups and downs that we go through as men and women in this business yeah. that are, our, our dreams are attached to. And they kind of, it kind of lets the wind out of our sails, but I, I want to geek out about Norm Macdonald real quick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. He's my, and I know he's your favorite. Yeah. And I watched the episode of, I think his son coming on your show, uh-huh, his uh-huh. son, son came up and watched it too. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, like when did you discover Norm? So I discovered Norm when I was 16 years old, uh, when he was probably, I don't know, in his twenties. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was doing amateur night at Yuck Yucks in Ottawa and he was a headlining Canadian comedian who was touring Canada, performing at the Yuck Yucks clubs. Hadn't gone to the States yet to write for Roseanne or, or, uh, you know, but I remember, I remember like it was him and Harland Williams. Those, Harland's fucking amazing. Yeah, those two. You know, Harland's one of my, my best friends. And, uh, and so I would be this kid that would go down to the comedy club every time they were in town. There were a couple other comics too that I loved, like uh, Jeremy Hotz was one that I really Jeremy loved. Hotz, dude, yep. owned yep. L.A. Yep. When I first came out yep. to L.A., yep. he would just go, Ikea, and yep. the fucking place would go nuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. These were the Canadian guys that were like headlining top of the game stand-up Canadian stand-up scene in like 1989 or something like that. Yeah, you know? And then... Uh, so, uh, yeah, so it was kind of, it was, it was actually very inspiring when, when all of a sudden Norm, you know, we heard like, oh, you hear Norm is on Saturday Night Live now. What? You know, that, that guy that we love that we would go see, you know, every eight months when he'd come through Ottawa at, at Yuck Yucks in this little basement. And, you know, we knew he was like doing something incredible that wasn't being done. Like I say, we, me, my friends and I, we were all like, sort of like, you know, yuck yucks junkies, you know, how crazy though, but you had friends that like appreciated Norm Macdonald. Look, my friends appreciated dice, of course, Uh, appreciated Sam Kinison. But like, I think guys like Norm, I think they were like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like they, they, anyone 
really good. I think my friends growing up, it would have it would have skated past them. Yeah, there was a layer of like, first of all, he's fucking hilarious, obviously, and Dude. And, and doing something that's completely different than anybody else, especially at the time was doing, but even still today, his take on Have you seen his talk show? Yeah, yeah. Dude, it's fucking amazing. It. Yeah, I love it's it. It's fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, I love it's it. It's fucking, it's my, it's my favorite thing on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I mean, it's sort of, uh, you know, I just love the how casual it is and how yeah. outside of the norm of the way he does things is, you know, it's yeah. just, I love it. So, so when I was watching like him as a kid, like, you know, we were inspired by the fact that he's, you know, when he would go, when, when a, when a Canadian guy from Ottawa, he grew up in the same town as me, Ottawa, he grew up really? like a few blocks away from me. I knew he was from Ottawa. And, you know, as a kid, I was just inspired. Oh, a guy from Ottawa can tour Yuck Yucks and go play in Edmonton and, and, and Vancouver and, and, and Halifax and do stand up every week and, yeah. you know, get on an airplane and go out and just tell jokes and get paid for it. That's amazing. And then when you went on Saturday Night Live, that takes it to a whole other place where you're kind of like thinking, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing that somebody from Ottawa can be on Saturday Night Live. Because Ottawa's not Toronto, you know, it's, I mean, we, I know you know this, but a lot of people don't know this. I'm speaking to like the the general audience out mm -hmm. there that's listening. I I know this. I'm not I'm not talking down to anybody in America when I say you don't know that Ottawa's not Toronto. I yeah. know that you know it's not. Yeah. You know, like like most people in America when I say, Oh, I'm from the capital of Canada, they say, Oh, Toronto or you know, yeah. nobody knows anything about Canada, you know? Yeah. So so Ottawa's small. So when somebody makes it from your from Ottawa, yeah. it's a big deal. Oh, it's like yeah. that in Florida. Yeah. Like when someone, uh, like, I remember one kid came out here. I was just doing like, I was still just kind of bumping around at the very beginning of my career. And my buddy Grimes came out and was like, I, I, cause I was written up in Rolling Stone magazine when I was a kid. And, uh, Grind, and I was when you were a to, kid, you were? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. When I was 20, uh, 25. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Coming the number one party animal in the country. Oh, yeah. It was a big deal. It was a really big deal. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Uh, I was surprised that, uh, I don't know if we talk about what time it is, but I was surprised that the podcast was so early, you know? I, I was drinking last night, yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, but, I, but when I moved out, that happened to me, and then I moved to New York, started stand-up, moved out to LA, got a TV show, and my buddy Grimes was like, came out and he was like dude i only came out because you were out here like i i thought if so if you if a guy from tampa can come out and make a living maybe i got a shot yeah it's and i think we all kind of hang our hat on that like i remember finding out all the all the uh, comics in new york that were from florida like todd berry tom rhodes uh billy gardell and just going like okay if they can because they're florida yeah. kids yeah, yeah yeah like we didn't know what mountains looked like or skyscrapers we you know like yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I understand that yeah entirely yeah it's uh it was sort of very exciting and then when i when i really officially met norm for the first time was years later um and then where were you in your career at the time so i was i was actually going i was a guest on regis and <laughs> and uh the regis show with uh Kelly was there wasn't Kathy Lee I was on promoting my MTV show I showed up in a uh, you know one of these like you know self-defense suits yeah like because I just showed up in costumes a lot to talk shows without telling them yeah so you know I showed up and it was like one of these big like ones that you can like you know take a baseball bat you know it was like I was like basically show I looked like a transformer this giant robotic thing walking in not knowing that, you know, Norm was going to be there or 
maybe I did, but I, I didn't know I was going to get to talk to him for half an hour backstage. So I was standing there in this robot costume like, wow, I used to watch you at Yuck Yucks. I'm such a big fan trying to have a serious conversation, you know, <laughs> and then I end up, uh, you know, but uh, I don't know. We had a good talk. And then uh, it was years later when I started up doing the uh, web, the web show. I call it WebOvision. When I built my studio. it didn't really have a name yet. Yeah, I just called it WebOvision. Um, you know, uh, Norm would start coming up to my house. I invited him up, and he came up, and then he just came all the time. And yeah. We'd, 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 and it was fun when Norm would do the podcast, or I call it the podcast now, but it wasn't a podcast. It was WebOvision. Um, you know, we put it on my website. You know, it was on streaming on my website, and then it would be posted on my website. But... Um, you know, he would come up and do the show and then the show would end and you know, we'd, we'd stream for like two hours and then the show would end and then we'd just sort of have a drink and go look at YouTube videos like him and his friends would come up. My friends would sit there and just look at crazy YouTube videos to like four in the morning, you know, just shoot the shit and just hanging out. And this was sort of a regular thing, you know, it was and I, I it was it, that's I think probably was the coolest thing about doing that show, you know, in my house was I, I literally I, by the way, I, I've got to stop saying literally. Me I, too. Uh, yeah, and Wendy yeah, Cummings. Yeah, 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 I've got to stop <laughs> saying that. I've been noticing it lately. I hate that. We're not supposed to say that. We're men. I say literally nonstop. Yeah, men aren't supposed to say literally all the time, right? I Not to be that, like I have a sexist bunch, or whatever. I have but, a bunch of ones that I say. Yeah. Um, but you were saying you and Norm would come up to your house, watch YouTube videos. and Yeah. And it was just kind of like uh, I've literally made so many friends doing that show. I mean, that show yeah, was yeah. so ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was. I know you kind of brush it off and go, yeah, yeah, I know. But it's what we're all doing now. So here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's a little bit of the, I think the backstory to that i'm just gonna go stream of consciousness with you Please. Okay? I'll, 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 I'll speak to that <laughs> so um so ottawa's kind of like silicon valley north self-proclaimed silicon valley north okay like it's okay. like the you know the government is ottawa it's the capital of canada the government has tons of contracts for computer stuff back in the 80s computer companies were big there for a small town, it was probably the second biggest business after the government. Yeah. So all my friends worked in high tech. My best friends worked in high tech. My co-host of my show, Glenn, Phil uh, Giroux, who was the guy who drank coffee in the background in yeah. the MTV show. High tech guy. When he was 17 years old, he was doing stand-up with me. He quit doing stand-up because he got hired as a scientist, a computer scientist at the National Research Council. He's still in high school. Oh, wow. And like these guys are like kind of were very forefront computer technology guys and uh so being around that there was a lot of stuff that sort of got you thinking about like the internet like before probably 10 years before like maybe a lot of people you know we had a thing in ottawa called the nabu network this mm -hmm. was in like 1983 or something like that um and it was essentially the internet you could buy a box or rent a box from the cable company actually from this company called the nabu network separate company hook it up to your cable and it was the internet and you were basically interacting with, you know, not the internet, but you were interacting with everybody who had a Nabu network box. Wow. And like, and I was like, you know, eight or something like that, you know. And so, and so, You're forty-six now, right? Forty-seven, yeah, forty-seven. That that you I just turned forty-seven. I, uh, I shot that thing. That, okay, okay. I shot that thing that you saw like maybe six months ago. Okay. I turned forty-seven in uh, July. So, but um, 
I just decided to post it randomly. It's yeah, great. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It was yeah, beautifully yeah, shot. Yeah, and thanks, I love that yeah. club. It's a great club. Yeah, yeah. I just posted it just kind of because I was sitting there going, oh, I should just post it, you know? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Nebu. Yeah. So, so basically like. You were eight years old. I kind of got into thinking about technology early and I started this rap group mm-hmm. and when I was a teenager and that came from. Oh, drum machines. So I'd work my summer job by a drum machine. I had a, my basement was hooked up with computers. I had an Atari computer acting as a sequencer, sequencing drum machines and samplers and all this stuff. It was a rudimentary studio that yeah. I saved all my money to, you know, build, build this thing with used equipment and stuff. And, uh, you know, and um, so I was kind of into a geeky kind of computer guy. And, uh, and so then when I started my website, TomGreen.com. I started that in 1996, and we were doing our show on public access. Oh, TV. 1996. Yeah, and we. That's were, before uh, Dane had a website. That's before. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was. It was just basically pictures from the show. I was doing. It was so early you could get TomGreen.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was it was fun. I mean, but it was kind of like my friends and I <coughs> built it, and you know, I had the show on the public access station. I would talk about the show you couldn't post video right there was yeah. no video but we'd post audio clips i had a thing where i could phone into the website i could phone in i had a thing that we programmed my friend programmed where i could call an answering machine on my phone actually this was probably later this was probably 1999 i was doing that because i didn't have a phone until 1999 so that was probably later but in 1999 i was calling a, a voicemail i would leave a message and it would automatically post to the website it was being me walking around just talking and stuff. Yeah. But uh, so it was kind of like when the internet all of a sudden allowed you to broadcast video. You know, my friends Glenn Humplick and Phil Giroux and I had basically been talking about that for 10 years, going like, it's going to be fast enough to send video soon, you know? And so I uh, I got really into it and I started, I, I, at the time I contacted my agency that I was working with. And I said, is there anybody doing web streaming anywhere? Like streaming a, a TV show to the internet. And there was this company called Mania TV that was trying to start a, a yeah. network. So I called them up, told them what I wanted to do. They were basically doing a radio show out of Denver. And then we did a deal where I would do the show for them for free if they would build me a studio in my living room. And then they came over with you know two engineers and we sat around and Built this studio. I did a show for them for a year, and then I stopped working with them and went off. For a week? What's that? Was it for a week? Uh, I think it was just doing once a week, actually. Was it once a week? Yeah. It was at four a week one, at one point, Monday, Tuesday, At Wednesday. one point, I was just... So, and then, so then after I stopped doing it with them, I continued doing it for another five years or something like that, but it became very raw. Like, like, uh, like I, I, uh, I built this... We, we had this kid that worked for me who's like, you know, 23-year-old kid techie guy uh, his name was bill snitzer really cool kid and uh you know he's an adult now but he was a kid then because uh, this was ten, maybe 10 years ago and uh so we we he he would build we built the system where i had my you know four cameras in the living room all pointed at me tight shot medium shot wide shot you know we had maybe a little security cameras we'd mounted in the back of the house and uh they were all running through our switcher which was a video toaster 
former uh, predecessor to the TriCaster. Okay, um, and uh, and uh, this is so <laughs> inside baseball for me. But this is like, I mean, this is like someone t- talking to me about the very beginning stages of when people started opening up comedy clubs. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I know all this. Yeah, like, except it was seven years ago. So, so. I know, but, but technology <laughs> yeah. took off so quick. Yeah, it's so, so fast. But yeah. Keep going. I don't mean to interrupt. So you had the predecessor to the TriCaster. Maybe 10 years ago. For yeah, those yeah. of you who know what a TriCaster is, that's what Rogan has. Yeah. And by the way, Two years ago, yeah. TriCasters were like fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Now you can get them for like Sura just got one for like seven grand. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so technologies. They're cool. Piece you of had equipment. The, the toaster. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it was allowing us to run all the cameras through it. So we built this thing. Like this is probably the thing that I think is the coolest thing about WebOvision that probably a lot of people don't know about it because I don't really ever have anybody want to listen to me about it in this detail. But we built a thing called the switch. So we were literally had this kid had a soldering iron out and we created this switch we went to americo over in hollywood they sell wires and shit yeah and and like like you know you know freaking you know switches metal switches when you hook wires up to them we solder the wire and and i I said i want to switch under the desk there's a talk show desk in my living room by the way there's a talk show desk in my living room with five cameras pointed at it a switch mounted under it and i said to him i want to be able to wake up drunk at one o'clock in the morning by myself in my house because I live alone and with my dogs and I want to walk out into the living room and I want to flip a switch underneath the desk and I want that to turn on all the lights come on all the cameras come on the computers come on the computer starts recording there's a switcher on the desk I can immediately begin switching it starts streaming to tomgreen.com and so all automatically with one switch so I, I we built this it took took about six months to figure out how to build it but we finally built it. we finally figured out i could come i flipped the switch there was a computer you know linux program that he wrote that was telling all the computers to record when we went as soon as we go live i had a switcher on my desk so i could in the middle of the night i was going out live every night whenever i felt like it Flipping the switch, there was a phone on the desk. It would start ringing immediately, like a, an old school phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start ringing, ring, ring. I'd answer the phone, and I'd just do phone and talk shows by myself. And then I started getting real weird with it. I did one called the Midnight Clown, where you know, once in a while, when I felt like it, I would just put on clown makeup by myself. I'd be home by myself. <laughs> I had a few drinks in me. I'd put clown makeup on, you know, and I'd be, what am I doing? with my life and I go out there you know a few drinks in me and turn on the switch and, and the phone would start ringing you know you know you know Indiana you're on the air you know like you know where are you calling from Indiana you know so it was, it was a whole it was a whole thing it was pretty cool I, I actually sometimes missed that then what happened was technology changed we had to get new computers new streaming technology came in the switch no longer was compatible bill wasn't working with me anymore so then the switch i remember the one day the switch stopped working you know because we had to get a new stream oh and, and, and then the switch stopped working so now there was just this dead switch under the desk and made me sad <laughs> <laughs> how crazy is it though that i mean do, do you i know you talked a little bit and you didn't say names but i know that you look that at one point you realized a lot of people were doing what you were doing on Tom Green and and you weren't maybe at the time you were like they're kind of just ripping off what I did I mean kind of in a weird way all of us are ripping you off all the time well, I mean you start you started with the Tom Green show was 
basically it was it it is the predecessor to hosted reality where you go out man on the street and it's just bizarre funny i won't name i won't name all the shows that basically borrowed directly from you but i know for a fact i was doing an, a milking a cow thing you had already done yours and the guy squirted milk in my mouth yeah, yeah. and i remember immediately going tom green in this can i tell you what really freaked me out yeah the milk was warm uh yeah sure. and i was and i said to the guy it's hot and he wow. goes he goes kind of like come huh no. <laughs> oh, God. and i went yeah i guess <laughs> that's sort of the subtext of this why this ridiculous that you're doing this is it, what are you sucking on tv you know so how many cows have you sucked and in, uh, in uh, how many countries i remember seeing that and losing my fucking mind <laughs> losing my mind i uh, think i've uh milked a cow in uh three countries i think i did it in mexico once too i can't remember though blocked it out of my mind but uh yeah that was that was that was some gross out gags no but, but out, what is stuff. it like to look to do something like like web vision so and then and then almost like five years later see everyone doing it i don't really have like any sort of issue whatsoever with like when it's like oh the format you know you know independent broadcasting i mean you know i didn't invent that you know yeah. i just decided to to do it you know when it was possible and maybe i realized that was possible like maybe before you know we did it got big but you know i was also you know sort of already doing it and i was kind of like you know doing that you know i was i studied broadcasting in college you know i was kind of a, always playing with cameras and shooting stuff so you know i i only get weirded out a little bit and not even so much anymore about that is when when i see like an exact bit that's yeah. exactly what i did that's like a very unique idea that i remembered at the time thinking of it going nobody's ever you know you know painted their parents house before and filmed yeah. their reaction or whatever you know that that sort of bothered me a little bit for a while it doesn't anymore because uh you know i kind of get it that's just part of what happens yeah it's not like stand-up you know in stand-up like if you go and you actually steal somebody's joke like that's like you're sort of like you know shunned from the community you know nobody wants to steal someone's joke you know yeah. but with 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 it seems like with television and television networks they don't believe that and i don't actually blame any of the individual artists that did it you know or i i, I kind of look at it like mtv did it you know i don't look at it like uh, yeah. you know because uh, but uh yeah, and then the you know so it's kind of like uh, I, I don't know I, I I look the 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 way I look at it is I was like trying to be Letterman you know I was like you know I was yelling out of out, I would go out in the street with a megaphone and yell at people with a megaphone because Letterman did it right yeah. I love Letterman and I was doing like gross out gags like sucking milk out of a cow's udder or like you know taping meat to my head because i love monty python and when i was 14 years old or 12 years old or whatever i saw monty python's meaning of life and and when they came to take the liver you know we're here to take your liver you know but i'm still using it yeah. ah you know yeah. i'm sitting there laughing or you know harder than i've ever laughed in my life unable to stop myself from laughing i'm like I want to do that. I want to go take a bunch of meat and like stick it to my face and go walk around and film people and, and confuse people the way I'm confused right now yeah. and what I'm seeing. So all comedy is like inspired by something else. Like, you know, David Letterman, you know, was, uh, you know, what took his entire uh, crew of writers to the Museum of Television and Radio when they were starting the show, watched every Steve Allen episode. Yeah. You know, you can see like, direct bits that are like you know you know i love dave but like they're like full-on direct like steve allen 
taped co- uh, tea bags all over his body and got in a giant teacup and they poured you know water on him and he became tea you know yeah. and Letterman you know uh, taped uh, uh, you know got in a bowl of Cheerios a giant bowl of Cheerios and they poured milk on him you know yeah. so you know it's kind of like sometimes being inspired by something is almost like paying homage to something you know because you love it so much but you but you took your inspiration and became super original what was the pressure like when you go on something like Regis and Kathy or you'd go on the set of Charlie's Angels mm-hmm. and they'd be like no one could write for you and they'd be like hey uh, uh we'll just give it to Tom he'll he'll get he'll and all the all the pressures on you to do something like cuz knowing you you're a very laid back dude yeah and you're and you're a better listener than and then talker sometimes like when you listen when you watch your talk show you're a much better listener like almost a great talk show host i'm a horrible listener but what was that pressure like when you'd go on to snl or you'd go on to um regis and kathy or or the set of charlie's angels to go hey uh no one's gonna pass you the ball we just expect you to shoot threes from the outside yeah the talk show is like a different i I put on a different sort of i go in a different mode when i'm hosting the show yeah yeah. like like i said listening and i like the guest to talk and when i go into something where you know, the attention's on me, like stand up or, or uh, you know, doing uh, the talk show appearance or whatever. You know, then I, then I, but back at the time, you know. You're 28 years old and, yeah. they're, and they're like, hey, biggest morning show in the world. Hey, yeah, do Tom. At the time I was kind of like, um, you know, talk about the emotional journey. You know, I was probably a bit naive to, you know, what I had gotten myself into. I don't think I was quite as you know aware of how big it was you know i thought oh okay i guess this is what happens you know when you you get a show on mtv like you go on letterman uh you know you go on regis you go host saturday night live you go i guess this is i guess i deserve this you know so i better go on these shows and be really 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 crazy and I think in hindsight, sometimes I think of myself, oh, you know, maybe I, I was too confident, you know, like I, I was, and it comes from a place of being like actually not confident at all. Like you're scared shitless that they're going to find out that, oh shit, like I don't actually know what I'm doing here. I better go on there and do something crazy so they think that I know what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. So, so like, uh, you know, which, which is actually kind of sweet if you can sort of step out of your own body and realize that. You know, and, and think for a second about it as if it's not you doing it. Like yeah. you go, oh, that's sweet. Look at that kid. He thinks he can just go on Regis with a with a giant you know assault suit on and 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 hand a baton to Regis and have him hit him in the bum bum and start screaming and hit my bum bum Regis, hit my bum bum like complete <laughs> maniac. You know. Yeah. And afterwards, you know, you start thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe that wasn't the best way to handle it because it sort of could have been interpreted by some people, not necessarily Regis, but some people as being disrespectful, you know, like, like, Oh, you came on my show and you know, we were giving you a chance to come on here and you know talk about how you're just a kid from Canada and you came on here and you took over the show, you know, like but that's you, what you we ran around you. and acted that's what we crazy loved about you is that you'd show up to someone. You're like, yeah. like, Oh shit. Tom Green's on Saturday Night Live. Motherfucker. Yeah, I yeah. gotta watch that. I felt obligated to try to make it crazy. And, and uh, you know, sometimes when you, like, push to be, like, really crazy, and that's the main motivation, like, you know, you can kind of, like, you know, ruffle a few feathers here and there, you know? Um, 
Charlie's Angels, like, that's interesting. So, like, you know, I ended up marrying Drew Barrymore, right? You know, that's when I met her. I met her when, when I did Charlie's I thought, Angels. Because it came out yeah. after you guys yeah. were married. Yeah. So, a lot of and people so, thought that she put me in it because, like, I was her husband, right? And you can yeah. see on that scene on the boat, uh, you can... You can see her falling in love with you. Yeah, well, I hadn't even been on a date with her yet in that first scene, right? So, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, we hadn't even gone on a date yet. So, Have you looked at that since and seen her eyes looking at you? Uh, you know, she's she was acting too, you know, I'm not no, sure. No, 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 no. She is... <laughs> she is an actress, you know. She yeah. was... I, I watched that. Yeah. I saw a different perspective. I saw her falling in love with you and I was like, oh, I wonder... She really loved... Like, it, and then... And, and you were hilarious, but so I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. You get on that set. So basically what happened was like I had my show on MTV and I was in New York and we got a call from LA. I was living in New York and it was Drew Barrymore's, you know, Drew's uh, company calling. And, uh, you know, at the time everyone in the office was like, Drew Barrymore called. Uh, oh, she's a big fan of the show. She wants to meet you, you know. Are you starstruck at that moment? Or like, Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, yeah. That's fucking Yeah, ET. I've been living in America for like, you know, like four months or something like that you know um and so you know i was in new york show kept going i was in new york for another six months and then uh we decided to move the show to los angeles so when i moved the show to los angeles i came out to la for a meeting and uh there was a call and it was like uh you know drew heard you're in town she wants to meet you she wants to put you in this movie she's producing they're remaking charlie's angels she wants to be in this movie so i went and met her at uh you know uh, with her agent and my manager we went and met her at some restaurant in hollywood and then uh they asked me to be in the movie and uh so you know i signed on to do this movie and the next time i saw her was i think i talked to her on the phone a couple of times because she was trying to convince me to do the movie no, so i almost no, didn't do it actually because really? You know, I, I just was kind of like, I mean, I just didn't quite sort of understand it. You know, when I was reading the script, I was good at reading scripts and stuff too. You know, I didn't really always wasn't able to see how things would turn out. Um, now, when you're talking to her on the phone, are you being, are you being you right now? Or are you being a little bit of a version of the guy she saw on TV? To no, make I'm being like me right now. Cause, like, yeah, because yeah. you didn't want to, you were like, I don't think I'm going to do the movie. No, I wasn't like, I was, I don't think I told her that. I okay. just was sort of reading it and going, oh, I don't really get this. But then she kept calling saying, are you going to do it? And I said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's like she was, she's a good producer, you know, she, yeah. she really, like she, she talked me into it without knowing she was even really talking me into it. But that's a minor detail. The point is, is I went and did it and, um, and uh, uh, there's a scene in the movie where I fall off the boat into the water. Yeah. And so McGee's the director of, of, of Charlie's Angels. And, you know, I go up to him at one point when we're shooting that scene. This is the first of only two days I shot in the movie. This is the first day. Um, it was supposed to be the only day. And then they brought me back a month or so later to do another scene. But um, I go up to McGee and I say, uh, hey, um, you know, it'd be kind of funny if when she walks away, if I like fall off the end of the boat into the water. It's this tugboat. We're out in San Pedro in the harbor, probably dirty water, probably yeah. a lot of like, you know, tetanus in there and, you know, whatever kind of, you know, rat lung worm disease or something yeah, swimming yeah. around. <laughs> in the water. So like, uh, 
He says, no, you can't, you can't do that because we got to run it through stunts and all that stuff and this will get in trouble. I go, okay, okay. So then we do the whole shoot and then he comes up to me, Matt McGee does, comes up to me right before the last take and he goes, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, fuck it. Just fall on this one. If you want to fall on this one, I'll, I'll cover you. So, okay, okay, cool. So we do the scene and this is where Drew's like walking away and I'm saying the Chad was great or whatever. The Chad was great was my line. The Chad was great. And then she walks away and then I just sort of fall. I have a plate of eggs in my hand or frying pan eggs. I fall into the water, splash into the water. But before my head comes out of the water, I'm like out of the water and the first AD, okay, show business uh, terminology here. He's the guy. I didn't even know what a first AD was at the time. To me, it was, why is that guy yelling? Oh, that's the first AD. You're in trouble. Screaming, what the fuck is this going? You can't fucking fall in the fucking water. You know, freaking out. Everyone's freaking out overreacting you know it's like dude man i just humped a dead moose at the side of the highway i can fall in water you know <laughs> yeah, i'm canadian yeah. i can jo- i can fall into water I, I i got chased by a guy with a hammer in long island last week you know trying to give him a pizza you know i can fall in some water it's no but you know so they start freaking out remember drew kind of la- was laughing couldn't because that kind of stuff doesn't happen in big movies like that where people yeah. like, just improvise a stunt of that level falling from you know eight feet into water so anyways, people kind of got over it. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I at the end of the day, you know, I had lunch with Drew. And, and then at the end of the day, I asked her if she wanted to go uh, out for lunch or something like that. We went out that night and got some food after the shoot. And then uh, basically, you know, started dating, you know, like right away. So it was pretty interesting. That's but, uh, crazy. And were yeah. you always that confident with women? Uh no, no, I'm not. I don't think I was confident, but uh, were you just connecting insanely? You know, to be honest with you, like she, she was, she was pretty confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. She, she, she made it obvious that I should ask her out. You know, she was yeah. like kind of being very nice, and I could kind of get the sense. Oh, I bet you, if I asked her out, she would probably say yes. So that's <laughs> fucking insane. Yeah. Did yeah. how long? How long into dating her did you stop going? I'm with Drew Barrymore. And I'm with Drew. Uh, you know, I it would mean, take me a week and a half at yeah. least of going. Like I even yeah. with, I like even with my f- celebrity friends. I mean, I'm sitting with you right now, and I'm yeah. like, part of me goes, I'm hanging out with Tom. But then every now and then, I'm like, fuck, man. I watched him swim across that lake. Yeah, I, I watched him with Monica Lewinsky. I watched him get fucking testicular cancer. Like, yeah. there's I, a part of that that, and I'm assuming you're young mm-hmm. and you're new in this business. Yeah. And things are happening so quickly to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was weird at first, but then, you know, at a certain point people just become like, you know, you know, that's, that's your, your the person you're with. And, uh, uh, you know, we lived together for two and a half years and then got married. We we're married for five months and then, uh, that was it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, 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 I I'm, I'd say we're still friends. You know, we talk like every like 15 or 16 years or so. So you know, <laughs> probably do for another check-in at some point. But no, I, I I'm I'm totally supportive of her and like, I, I uh, no hard feelings. You know, I just uh, I'm glad she's doing good and she's always she's always doing something amazing and uh, and uh, people talk about it a lot. People bring it up a lot. It's not it doesn't come up in conversation nearly as much as it did. 10 years ago which is actually probably when you talk about the emotional journey like uh i'm i've i've made a conscious decision actually for my own sort of emotional health to start talking about like stuff that i've felt 
you know, was nagging at me in the back of my mind to start talking about it. If I'm on an interview or on a podcast, if someone asks me about something, I'm going to talk about it. And uh, as opposed to there was a there's a period of time there, probably for about five years after Drew and I broke up, where I was kind of like every time I left the house, all anybody would ask me about was her, and I'd start yeah. to get start to get like I don't want to talk about this. You know, I start to get pissed off. You know. And then, uh, then you sort of realize, man, you know, it's just like, you know, just people, fortunately, they don't ask me about it as much anymore. It just comes up in conversation. You didn't even ask me about it. You mentioned Charlie's Angels and I started talking about it because I looked at it as an interesting opportunity to talk about some of that stuff. You know, people think about people, if they know me and they followed me over the years, know that I was married to her or whatever. Probably most people today forgot that I was. I think it's, I think it's not something that, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's something I knew because I was a fan of yours. Yeah, most people don't know that. Um, but there was a period of about three or four or five years where everybody knew that. And they, I think they just forgot, you know. Yeah. It was, kind of, I, it was very strange. It was, that was the strange part. You know, it's strange being in a relationship like that where, you know, like I remember I sort of, I don't like talking about people, but. I'm going to make an example right now because it's actually in his defense. Yeah. What just happened with Pete Davidson, you know, with, yeah. with, with Ariana Grande and, you know, everybody loves Pete Davidson, right? He's hilarious. And then all of a sudden he's with this famous girl and then they break up. And now all of a sudden you see all these things on the web yeah. saying mean things about Pete Davidson. Yeah. It's like, what the hell are you saying mean stuff about Pete Davidson? Everybody loves Pete Davidson. Oh, okay. That people like to kind of choose sides and all that stuff. So it was like weird. It was a weird thing to go through for me because it was like, you know, my show was on MTV Rolling Stone and everybody were writing stuff about my show, right? I had that experience too, where it's like people are saying all this cool stuff about my show. And then all of a sudden, like two years later, there was like shit like Us Weekly. I'm like on the cover of it. It's like, when good girls marry losers, you know? You know, there's a picture of like Brittany and Kevin Federline, you know, uh, J Lo and Chris Judd. Uh, and, and and me and Drew, you know, and it's like, oh, oh, so I'm now being kind of like sold to the grocery store lineup American public as a loser, you know, because, you know, I did a wacky comedy show and I'm with somebody that they've known their whole life, you know. So I saw that happen to, to Pete, to Pete, and I was just kind of like, you know, man, I almost wanted to give him a call and say, you know, Chin up, buddy. You should. Know? Yeah, no, I just, I just, you probably, I don't even like talking about. No, about, no, no, no. I, about people, you know, but, uh, but I'm just saying. Well, you, you know, must because you experienced it. Yeah, yeah. I see, I've, I've thought, I've thought over time, sometimes I've thought like, you know, I kind of like to write a book or something for like people who like don't know how to deal with like that kind of stuff. It would probably be something that would only be, you know, worth reading for, you know, maybe a couple hundred people a year you no, know no but no but, but it's but it's it's growing bigger and bigger now with celebrity and instagram and it's shaming bit, on facebook yeah. and i mean people yeah. put their relationship i mean you talk about it in your special a tad bit or your your thing you just put up yeah. is people are sharing so much on facebook that in a weird way what happened to you can happen on a much smaller level to like the average high school kid yeah 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 it's, exactly. it's a branding problem yeah people kind of like it can mess with people's heads, you know, you know, people, you know, too many followers, not enough followers. Did that fuck with your head? On the, on the Instagram. Yeah, fuck with my head, yeah. Did you go to therapy? 
Uh, I tried to do that. I went to therapy like maybe three times and uh, I'm like, too cynical, I think. Like it, it didn't really, I didn't, it didn't really work for me. Yeah. I would sort of like, uh, well, well, first of all, I'm also very open. As you can see, I'm talking about all this shit right now, you know, but like I'm always kind of in therapy, you know, like with everybody I know is my therapist <laughs> yeah. to the point that they probably don't want to hang around with me anymore. Cause I'm like, you know, like I, like all my friends, I'm always talking about everything, you know? So I, I think therapy is good for people that are closed off and don't like know how to like talk about their feelings and their emotions. Yeah. But for me, it was kind of like this guy was in Santa Monica. I'd go there once every week or whatever for three weeks. I'd sit in traffic for an hour, get out there. It was like I was scheduling an appointment to go out and remind myself of all the things that I hate about myself and talk about it for an hour and then sit in traffic for an hour on the way back thinking about it again. So it was like a scheduled three hour, you know, block of self, you know, you know, you know, is emasculation the right word? No, a defecation, a defecation, deprecation, not defecation, maybe. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was, it was, it was, and I just realized ah, I don't need to schedule three hours a week to, to go confront these problems. I'll just figure it out on my own. I did, I did uh, the drive to therapy yeah. thing for a little bit and I just would end up resenting my therapist that I had to go to sit in traffic. Yeah. yeah and exactly. I'd get in there angry. Yeah. And yeah. be like, oh, I think I'm bringing in a lot of bullshit. Yeah. This just LA shit. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm, I'm way too cynical. I'm in therapy now, but I do it on Skype. Yeah. And so it's oh, so good. much easier. Oh, yeah. Where I just go in and hit. I've never even met the guy. I mean, I just talked to him on Skype. That's cool. And, That's cool, um, yeah. But yeah, but like when I, I mean, I think what what really opened me up as a man, um, or as a person, I should say, but I think as a man also was, um, you know, I, I worked for Travel Channel for eight years. Yeah. And then I just got fired one day. Okay. And uh, like, yeah, I was under contract. And yeah. then one day the new president just didn't, didn't like me and yeah. just let me go. And, uh, and I, I was supposed to do this tour with Segura and Eliza and it was the big funnier die thing. Yeah. And uh, I canceled my whole fall schedule to, fit, to put this tour in. Yeah. And all those dates got canceled that I got in. So all of a sudden I went from, and then I had a, a Showtime special that was premiering and no one saw it yeah yeah and i went from and i i had this real sense of like mourning and confusion mm -hmm, yeah and at the time I, I did an interview with adam carolla at the time i i ended up i ended up in a weird way doing i mean maybe maybe and i think my question is did you what did you do in this moment but i ended up doing an interview with adam carolla and i said hey when you lost your radio show when you got fired from your radio show and you had you knew you had all this money coming in, and then it stopped. Like, what was that feeling? And he was so open and honest about it that I felt like I think it's a journey that a lot of us have, where you're like, "Oh shit, I don't things aren't what they were a week ago." Yeah. And I remember he said, uh, "I went home and I said to my wife, we're we're gonna need to cut back." Yeah. And his wife was like, "Like, what do you mean?" And he goes, "How much money do you think you spend a month?" Yeah. yeah. And his wife goes, "I don't know, like." five thousand dollars and he goes okay you're really wrong wow yeah. and he was like you know we're in a we're in, we're in we're in like a, a cave time where we're gonna hibernate and figure out what our next move is and obviously it's been fantastic for him yeah but i always wondered like and i look at every guy like that like for rogan it was when carlos and, and that video went viral yeah, and yeah. carlos said everyone pick sides yeah and everyone picked carlos everyone picked carlos and rogan had to go rogan the epitome 
of I'd say alpha. I'm sure he wouldn't like alpha being used, but just a a, a atypical personality who achieves and does and follows through and says what he's going to do is now almost kneecapped. And like now, what are you going to do? Is that his perception of it? I don't. I don't know if it's his perception because I I I kind of thought it was the other way around. But that's just my perception from being an outside observer. Outside observer, I kind of felt like that everybody. Sided with Joe on that. No, everyone. Yeah. I think all of us did. Yeah. But the industry. Okay. The the his agent fired him. Oh, okay. The okay. comedy store. Right. No, the, his home mm. no longer let him go there. They oh. said you're banned. I did not know that. Yeah. And yeah. so for Joe, all of a sudden, everything he knew one day. Mm-hmm. Now he had money. He was fine. Yeah. But everything he knew one day that was his livelihood was taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah. And he had to revamp. And he, Joe is uh, is a great example of how to do that because he literally just said, fuck it. I'm making my own pirate ship. Yeah. I'm making my own art. Yeah. And so what was it like for you when the, the marriage happens, Freddie got finger gets a Razzie, the, the five show, Razzies, five Razzies. You get cancer. Yeah. You get the All shows. This, yeah. Everything's happening around the same yeah. time. Yeah. My dad had cancer too. All at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was a, it was a lot going on. That's, that's probably like, I'd say the biggest impactful thing of it all was the cancer, obviously. That was the thing that was really kind of the most sort of discombobulating thing. So, you know, uh, you know, it was it was it was it was not it was not pleasant. The thing about the cancer was it was physically an assault on me, you know, too, because I had my lymph nodes removed and they had to cut me all up here and they do like it wasn't just like, you know, they took the one testicle, right? They took my right testicle. I still have the left one. It's the middle one now. Um, <laughs> but um <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, they also co- took my lymph notes. So that was very like physically painful, like, like talking like years of recovery, really. Really? You know? Yeah. And, uh, then, you know, that kind of shifted my sort of energy levels. I went from being like v- having a lot of energy to having much less energy, which then sort of created sort of a, I guess you could say depression, you know, it was a, it was a lowering of energy, which was, you know, very physically something that I had to adapt and learn to figure out and deal with. And I've, I've figured all that out now, but, uh, it was a couple of years, maybe five years of processing. Oh, this is the new way, you know, it feels to be like alive. You know, I'm not running around all the time. I'm a little bit slowed down a little bit. Um, then at the same time, the emotional changes of just thinking about all of the things that had happened, you know, like, like you said, one second you're here and then, no, oh, you don't have a show anymore. Oh, you know, are you making movies? Now you're not making movies anymore. It's like, oh, you know, that's hard to process too. Uh, but then it, you know, after a few years, I kind of got to the place where I was like, well, it was only just a few years earlier where I was living in my parents' basement and just completely the dream for me was always, I'd just like to be able to be able to make money enough to like pay my rent yeah, and not have to get a real job. You know, it wasn't about like being rich or having a ton of money or anything like that. It was just, I just want to have, I would like to be able to, you know, be able to do stand up comedy or do a radio show or something like that and get paid enough that I don't have to go work at another job where it's like the, this is my real job and this is my hobby, you know? And I kind of 
sort of realized at a certain point, like, well, well, you know, I did that, you know, I, I can do that now. So I'm, I'm actually living the dream. You know, I don't have to feel upset that I'm, you know, not getting 20th Century Fox offering me a $18 million budget to oversee to go make Freddy Got Fingered 2 or something like that, which would be cool. I wouldn't be shocked if that fucking, yeah. if that I've happened. asked them. I have asked them. So <laughs> Really? Yeah, they're mulling it over. <laughs> Probably be mulling that over for a while. But uh, yeah, I would do that though. <laughs> what would you do if, what would you do differently if you did if you had to do Freddy Got Fingered over again what mm -hmm. would you do differently um, honestly I would have fought a little harder in the editorial stages like in the editing stage against some of the changes that I was asked to make because of focus groups so I, I had to kind of like I, I did have to kind of you know I had Here's a, here's a controversial thing I've never said anywhere. Okay. Okay. I had to like basically change the entire story structure of that film because there was a gay kiss in the movie between uh, an actor, Steve Tobolowski, who's an amazing, hilarious actor. I know. What's Steve, yeah. Steve Tobolaski? I know him. Yeah, is he Groundhog the, Day. And yeah, yeah. So, Steve Tobolaski has a podcast, too. Yeah. yeah. Amazing guy. And and he was and he played my uncle, who ran the cheese sandwich factory. And I show up in Hollywood. I got a job at the cheese sandwich factory. I show up at his house. I walk into his house. He's there with his his gay husband, who's an Indian chief. And they're, they're making out when yeah. I walk in. And, oh. Gord, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm here to move. Oh, and then they stop. You know, just a just a kiss. You know, totally nothing. Uh, you know, that should be shocking about that, right? But I guess this was, you know, this was almost 20 years ago now, 18 years ago. They focus group the movie, and you know, we fly out to Phoenix, right, on the Sony or the the 20th Century Fox private jet. You know, we've the, yeah. the studio heads. We fly out to focus group the movie. They play the movie. I'm sitting in the back. I'm the director of the movie too, so I'm sitting in the back, and you know, they're focus grooming, and they got the focus group company. The guys walking around at the front. Okay, what did you like about the movie? What did you not like about the movie? Okay, so they're not factoring in like the fact that like everything in the movie is designed to not be liked right it's like designed to <laughs> yeah. shock and disgust and confuse right and so you've got a bunch of people that have been hired to come focus group the movie they they do all the focus groups they probably focus grouped every comedy movie that year <coughs> so they're like budding filmmakers you know mm -hmm. and so like well i didn't like when he bit the baby's umbilical cord in half and swung the baby around over on his head. That was disgusting. I give that a one on 10. It was disgusting. I'm thinking like, and I'm in the back of the room going, you idiot. That's a 10 on 10. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 10 on 10. It's supposed to be disgusting. Give me a 10 on 10 for achieving what I'm trying to do here. So it's sort of like these studios take these focus groups really seriously. They read everything and then they actually like make changes based on it. you get a score. You know, you get a score, you know, you got 10 on one out of 10 score on your focus group. Everybody said it was disgusting. Yeah. Remember when we pitched the movie to you? It's, it's, it's a gross out shock, disgusting, crazy movie. That was the whole point. Now you're seeing when people say it's shocking and gross, you don't want that in there. How, there's nothing left if you take out all the gross stuff. But one thing that they particularly had a problem with was the two men kissing. 
the 14-year-old kids at the focus group didn't like seeing that. So then the studio made me take that out, which then sort of like was the first introductory scene where I met Steve Tobolowski. I had to take that whole scene out, you know. And so when I took that scene out, his whole story arc didn't really make sense. Which was, a, you know, like five scenes in the movie. Yeah. So then we basically re-edited the movie without his scenes because of that. And, uh, you know, then the movie got very disjointed, right? Um, it's funny, when I, when, I, when, I, when I finished my first edit of Freddy Got Fingered, um, it had like this sort of dark score, mu- even more kind of like offbeat music and it was, it was it was very kind of almost more like an indie film sort of feel to it the story flowed a lot better you know everything flowed properly and we went and screened it this was before the focus group we went and screened it at uh, at 20th century fox and uh, the head of the new regency studios name's arnon melchon you know he's a uh, you know renowned studio head you know at the end of the screening stood up applauded you know, he's an Israeli guy. He said, that was the best first cut I've ever seen from a first-time first time director in my entire career, right? He, like, hugged me, loved it. And then two days later, we went to the focus group, came back, and they made me change everything. It's like, but I thought you said it was the best thing. <laughs> so... You know, he didn't make me change it. He had people working for him who, who also, by the way, I'm not, I'm not pissed at them either. They, they let me make the movie. You know, like they actually let me make the movie. So, so it's just, it's just part of the process of filmmaking. You know, there's a lot of checks and balances when someone gives a kid from MTV 18 million bucks to go like direct, write, shoot. You know, that's the budget of the movie. I didn't give me that, but the budget of the movie. They've spent 18 million bucks. You know. You know, they, they like to make sure that it's going to have its best chances possible. But I think in, 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 in the process of focus grouping it and changing it, they probably actually hurt the movie. Yeah, yeah it's it yeah. was uh, that you sometimes you see a movie and you go, what? Wait, what the fuck? And you forget, oh, this isn't like I think Pootie Tang was the was the other yep. one where like every, I mean, everything Louis ever done in my entire life. I've I've loved. I mean, yep. I, I think Louis is one of the funniest dudes alive. Yeah. yeah. And one of the sweetest guys. Every time yeah. I've ever interacted with him, nothing but like the nicest, sweetest guy. Yeah. And uh, but then you watch Pootie Tang and you're like and then you, you hear him go, oh, yeah, I didn't get final edit. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, like they definitely took it out of my hands. Yeah. And I didn't get to make the movie I wanted to make. First time I met Louis was was he brought up Pootie Tang. And, really, and it was, it was a kind of a bizarre way to meet him. But I was at the Montreal Comedy Festival. This was probably five years ago. I think I saw you there at the elevator. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember you said hi to me, and I was shocked. Oh yeah, oh, you yeah. were like, "Hey, Bert," and I was like, "Oh my god, you, hi, hi, Tom." Yeah, and I, was, I got cool. into a van and went to my show, and I was in the van. I was like, "Tom Green knew who I was." Oh, Tom yeah. Green. It was, by the way, I, I get freaked out by everybody too at the Montreal Festival. I get freaked out every time I meet anybody. I'm like, oh my god, this. Brings, oh, it's, I it's was just sort of like social anxiety that I've got. You know, like when I go to that bar at the Hyatt and everybody's there oh, walking oh. around, I'm like, oh my god, how much longer do I have to be here? I, I love meeting everyone, but I get I get nervous that I'm going to say something stupid or whatever. But anyway, so that I was at that festival and I got a call from the <laughs> festival. I was scheduled to leave the next day. I didn't never met Louis in my life, and I got a call and he said. Uh, he said, oh, Louis C.K. wants you to introduce him. As he's winning Comedian of the Year uh, uh, this year, and he wants you to introduce him. So, okay. 
Um, so, and he wants to sit with you at his table and have lunch with you and, and, and you know, you go introduce him and bring him up on stage. So, so we go to this comedian of the year thing, this sort of conference room, large room, you know, 200 people in there. Yeah. People in the audience, like Gary Shandling sitting in the front row, like a foot under the podium. You know, I got to go up and like do some speech and it's got to be funny, you know. I like spent the night before trying to figure out what oh, the hell am fuck. I going to say here, you know. And I, I, I think I pulled it off. I remember I go, I went up on stage and uh, because I didn't know Louie, but when I first met him, we, he talked about Pootie Tang. I was, he said he wanted me to introduce him because he loved Freddie Got Fingered. That's, that's why I'm talking about this, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, you know, yeah. That was what led to this, was he said he loved Freddie Got Fingered and he made Pootie Tang and, you know, it's like it's, things get weird sometimes. And we had a little good talk about it. He was very supportive about that. But, um, yeah, so then I, was, I went up on stage and uh, I had this long speech about how our parents were both uh, United Nations United Nations missionaries in Africa and we actually, people don't know this, but we grew up together and Nairobi and I remember you know seeing Louis as a 12 year old running through the fields of you know the Serengeti anyways that was the joke uh yeah, but yeah, uh yeah, you know yeah, so yeah. it was like uh it was it was funny and then he came up on stage and I gave him a huge like hug you know that I didn't let go of him and I think it was kind of like thinking okay maybe I should not have asked this guy to, <laughs> to introduce me you know but uh yeah it's cool you know um yeah, uh, Freddie got fingered, man. It's uh, it's it's interesting because for for probably about five years, I was sort of made to believe that that was the biggest mistake of my life making that movie. You know, like like just by like people and oh, you made that shitty movie, you know. And then all of a sudden, like I think it's internet video yeah. changed and people could stream scenes and stuff. And all of a sudden, like in the last like ten years and even more so the last five years, it just seems like it keeps growing. It's weird. Like it's, it's, like, it's, it's everything like that yeah. is, is, I mean, all the things you, all the things I loved growing up, like were, were something that the box office didn't get because box office is different than fans. Yeah. Even myself, my, my Showtime special did nothing. I mean, no one watched it and they were like, I remember, I, I think the, the, note I got before I did it was you should definitely wear a shirt and I was like <laughs> and, I, and, and I mean very akin to Freddie Got Fingered I was yeah, like yeah. no yeah. I go I haven't done stand up with a shirt on for seven years I don't own a shirt I go yeah I go I, I'm not gonna wear a shirt for the first time yeah. when I shoot my special right right yeah and like I, I don't sweat with a sh with shirt off talk about selling out wearing a shirt for your comedy special you're right yeah <laughs> and I remember them saying like I have a feeling that people will turn the TV on and see it and then change the channel. Uh -huh. And I was like, I was like, yeah, but I got to roll the dice on this because I, I, I'm, I'm pot committed. Like I've been doing this with my shirt off. And and they were like, how about one shirt on, one shirt off? Like we'll do the first one with no shirt. And I was like, no, you just use one with yeah, the shirt. No, exactly. And, uh, and so I did it without the shirt and then uh, no one watched it. And I think a lot of one, everyone was collectively like, I should have worn the fucking shirt. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and, yeah. and then um, a month later, a month almost two months later the machine story went viral yeah and in it i'm shirtless yeah yeah and then all of a sudden all the other clips of me shirtless are going viral and then yeah. all of a sudden I, netflix calls and they're like hey we want you to do a special but you'll 
you're not wearing a shirt, right? And yeah. you're like, you don't want the shirt? And they're like, oh, fuck the shirt. It's the greatest thing you've ever done. And I was like, and then and now I get recognized that people are like, uh, uh, thank God. I, I don't, I didn't recognize you with the shirt on. I'm sorry. And, and it's the fucking, it's the, but it's the internet found it. People found it. The will, way it sh- will you ever wear a shirt again on stage? I wear it. I wear it at the store sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah. If I'm working on material, I'm yeah. not going to rip my no, shirt off. And, in another like s- no, sort of no, no, special? No, 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 or no I'll never wear it never. special. Will there be a moment in time when your fans are disappointed and it's like a reverse kiss kind of scenario where kiss took off the makeup, you put back on the shirt? I don't like know. Like maybe 10 years from now? Segura thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. Yeah. He, he'll call me every now and then and just giggle and go, when, when we're 60, yeah. we'll be doing some show together and you'll have to take your fucking shirt off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it could be a moment where you put it back on and there's sort of like, a, oh, Bob Dylan went electric, you know? Like I'm hoping the, yeah. for like some open heart surgery <laughs> yeah. and then I get to be the representative of open heart yeah, surgery. That's nice, yeah. I'm the comedian that like, takes his shirt off and everyone goes, oh, we're going to learn tonight. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I... I I I, uh, I love it. I I'm wondering like if you'll ever decide to change that. That was, that was one of my questions I had for you. Um, I don't. I I I will not on this Body Shots World Tour mm-hmm. as long as I, look as long as I'm selling tickets and yeah. people are recognizing me and going, yeah. oh, that's the guy that doesn't wear the show. Oh, there's a machine guy. Oh, fuck yeah. Do you uh, do you recommend having a family? To somebody like myself. No, because I liked your jokes about not having a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your kid might murder somebody. Right. Yeah, it could. could happen. It would be a life-changing thing. Yeah, it's yeah. A, there's a, there's I don't a, need that. There is a, I, you know, I, I'm going through a, a chunk right now. I can see, though, that having a family would be, a whole, I mean, you have so many great stories and things about having a family. Maybe that's a good reason to have a family for like a new hour of stand up or something. Oh my like God. That. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, the problem is you got to get through the birthing stuff, and that's all hacky. Uh-huh, uh-huh, like the uh-huh. birth, everyone's going to have a, birth, a story about I, my first special. I talked about my wife giving birth. Yeah. And, and you got to get through that because everyone's got that same exact experience. I heard Opie tell the story. I think I heard Louie tell the same story. Like everyone's going to tell that story. And then you got to hope you have eccentric kids. Yeah. And then once you get one of those weird weirdos that's when the fucking money starts rolling in. yeah yeah and you just milk it and you're like don't yeah. send her to therapy you just let her get fucking weird as fuck right yeah so you can like like so you have amazing stories like pretending to not catch the baseball God. uh you have cap- no idea how catch- hard i laughed yeah that's amazing how hard i when i was <laughs> when i when that happened i was i was la- like some of the parents were like laughing pretty hard uh some were upset they're like well, i remember one mom's like there's no ball uh-huh. And I was dying laughing uh-huh. and giddy, excited. I get this a couple times. I get this when a bit happens, mm-hmm. and I immediately recognize, oh, this is going right on the, mm-hmm. this is going right on stage. Yeah, yeah. I had the, my closing. Do you write bit, a note down to yourself. So oh, you oh, oh! I, I'll either get my phone and, and talk it, it yeah, yeah, and talk it because you'll ex- forget it otherwise. Exact yeah. wording is really important, mm-hmm. and the exact way I received it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, my closing bit. I won't be my closing when I do my special next special. It'll probably be in the middle somewhere because of the way specials work these days happened uh, right there at the place you got your coffee and i fucking i was i when it happened i walked out to the outside i had a napkin and i got a pen and i started writing everything down i didn't have my phone on me i'm just writing everything yeah, down yeah, yeah. going okay all right all right we got that and that was the same day my daughter got her period and yeah. when that when she got her period i was like oh this is gonna be a bit and yeah. it was like i get really fucking excited when a bit happens yeah 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 
Yeah, that's 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 uh, it's it's it seems like it's a wealth of material. The the you know like it might be. I don't think it's the reason why I want to have children someday <laughs> for a new hour of. Stand-up. Do you think you'll have kids? I think I will. Yeah. You seem like you'd be a great dad. Yeah, I'd like to do it. Yeah, I've just uh, you got to do it while you can still skateboard with your kids. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like I've, I've I've been sort of contemplating that in my stand-up too. You know, I want to wait till I'm fifty, so I'll be, you know, to have kids, so I'll be dead by the time they're unemployed adults. You know, this is <laughs> yeah. sort of my premise that I'm working on. You were one of my favorite parts of Par- when I discovered Periscope. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you go on these, you go skateboarding with Periscope. Oh yeah, and I would, and I'm a big skateboarder. Yeah. Like not, not good, yeah. but I'm, I'm, I love skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you'd go into like, I remember you were in like, uh, I want to say like Jacksonville or Daytona or West Palm, uh-huh, uh-huh, and yeah. you went and bought a skateboard and yeah. skateboarded around. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I did do that. That's cool. Periscope. People were watching. Huh? You were watching that. That's cool. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. I went and bought a cool skateboard in, in Daytona Beach, and uh, I, I, I got one. I wanted to get a skateboard that was like, would fit in my suitcase. I was, I would, I would you bring a suitcase when you go for a oh, weekend yeah, yeah. as well as carry on, but you bring a full suitcase. Oh, I bring a backpack and I've, I've whittled down my backpack. I used to bring full production gear, like yeah. cameras, mics. Did you check a bag? Oh, I check a bag. Yeah, I yeah, check a bag. I check a bag too. Cause I'm, I'm, I over, I way overpack. Yeah. Harlan Williams tells me I don't check a bag, you of know, I'll throw a pair Harlan of jeans it. in my backpack and go, you know, I don't want to have to wait at the baggage claim. I'm like, pair of jeans. I need like, you know, 10 pairs of boxer shorts 10 shirts you know workout uh, clothes spin shoes in case there's a soul cycle (laughs) my skateboard you know you know lots of toothpaste you know i I don't i can't fit all that shit in a backpack uh i've stopped with toothpaste because i just go to the front desk when i check in and go do you have those little packets of toothpaste those are great um what my favorite thing to do is do a one suit weekend so like you don't if need I'm, to pack a shirt either. That's the other thing. Uh, well, yeah. I, by the way, I, the, the, part of the reason I stopped wearing a shirt was that I didn't have to worry about what shirt I was going to wear on stage. Yeah, yeah. I just was like, oh, I'll be ripping it off. It's yeah. a really nice feeling not to worry about I what started you're on only, stage. I, I, I found these black t shirts that fit me, and I, you know, I it's bought, funny. I bought I wa- 20 I of them. I looked at that black t shirt and I went, that's a good shirt for yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, I'm tall, so, you know, it's a bit longer. That's the other thing I didn't know about you, you are tall. What are you, 6'3? Yeah, it's like six three and a half or something like that. Yeah, you're yeah, tall as shit. That extra half inch in there. I'm six three and a half. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So, so when when I'm, you know, and I'm getting a little, you know, adult beer belly, you know, yeah. and when and I move around a lot on stage, I'll lift my hands up. So I'm wearing a normal shirt that you wash once, and you know, I got my stomach hanging out on stage, yeah. which uh, I know is not a problem for you, you know. You, you but I'm <laughs> no, but I know I'm, those. Shirts. I'm trying to cover it up. Now. I know those shirts you know? where you, all of a sudden I should have done what like you did, you know, Yeah, gave up and just just gone shirtless, but I can't do that anymore. But but uh, yeah, so I found these long shirts, so, and I just I wear I just wear the same black t-shirt like every day. And I I to throw t- I go on the road for if I go on a real run on the road for two weeks, I'll throw you know fifteen black t-shirts in my bag, and just. That's that's my clothes, you know. That's fucking perfect. An army would, jacket, a pair of jeans. <laughs> I would like to get to the place where uh, I have enough money where I uh, I just buy clothes when I got there. Yeah, and just like you know, like what you need, like like it would be cool to be like like Kevin Hart. I'm sure I'm sure it just goes like like I, I was hearing a story about him. They buy an Xbox wherever they go, and then they just leave it for the maid. Yeah, because they don't want to travel with it. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. That's crazy. His stories. You know, I was I, I was sort of in that thing where I'd get, get to the show and then, you know, I'd run out of stuff to wear. 
So I'd have to go buy a shirt every week. Oh, yeah? But it was always in a pinch. You know, it's like, okay, I just did radio. It's noon. I want to get a little nap in before the show tonight at 7.30. So I got an hour to buy a shirt. Take me to the mall. So every week I would buy some shirt that I hate because it was just the most convenient shirt. Yeah. And then I'd come home and I have a closet full of shitty shirts that I hate. You know, that I wore on stage once and never want to wear again. Yeah. And I realized this was a problem, so I came up with the only wear black t-shirts thing, and it's a, it's a simple solution. I would go into where, you know, all the funny bones or, or improvs are in malls, yeah. and I would always buy a couple shirts at Gap, just the plain shirts, yeah. just to have. Yeah. And uh, socks, socks. I always buy socks. I'm, I run out of socks every fucking trip. Yeah. I still have to pack for my trip tonight. I, I, I was... Uh, I just cleaned out my entire closet. I feel great. I feel like I've. I feel like what's interesting about you is I feel like I know everything about you. Like I like I feel like I've seen everything you've done. Okay, cool. Like, like when you know I what's ma- interesting? I, I know maybe it's interesting to me. I don't know, but it does relate to what you're talking about. I was just up in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, last week, and um, and uh, you mean it's not Toronto? Yeah, no, it's Ottawa. I'm from Ottawa. And uh, there, there's this kid who used to be the f- super fan of my show on public access TV. Mm-hmm. So the show, I was thinking about this today. I don't think people know this, but the show has been in multiple iterate. The Tom Green show, there was the public access show yeah. in Canada. Then at the public access show, we did a pilot for the CBC in Canada, which a year, they took a year to, they didn't pick it up. And then I did two seasons on the Canadian Comedy Network in 1997, 98, and then it got picked up by MTV in 1999. So the public access show, we did every Thursday Night Live for about several years. There were 64 episodes of that show that existed on Betacam SP tapes in the, in the TV station. Then we did 26 episodes of the Comedy Network show, and then we went to MTV, and we did about 30 or so episodes of that. And then we did a show called The New Tom Green Show for MTV, which we did about 60 episodes of that. There's like over 200 and something episodes of the show in various stages, right? Um, most of that stuff's not online, you know? And, uh, really? and yeah, most of that stuff's not online. Uh, and the 64 early episodes actually had been lost. Uh, I, I, they had been fully lost. I went back to... Um, the, the station like five years after I moved to the States and I said, hey, can I get copies of this? And yeah, we have them right here. And they had 11 copies, 11 episodes. They'd like erased the tapes. So they were lost. There was this one episode we, which was always a sort of episode that my friends and I laughed about. We called it the Christmas special. I posted it on my YouTube page the other day. It was my first post on my YouTube page in two years because I just found it recently because I was in Ottawa, the capital of Canada, and I was asking a friend of mine, hey, do you know anyone who might have the Christmas special. I've been looking for it for years. And he said, oh, yeah, Dave Alston's got every episode of the Rogers show recorded on on VHS. What? Contacted Dave Alston, who was this kid who used to come to all our shows on oh Facebook. God. The next day, he gave me a hard drive with 64 episodes of the show that had been lost that I have not seen. So I'm starting to put clips of that up on, on YouTube this week. Oh, my week. God. Never before and seen stuff where I'm like a kid, like I'm 24. I like, you know, don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like unbridled excitement to be filming with a camera you know and um 
And uh, yeah, so there's all these clips and stuff. And so I'm, I'm having fun with that. Actually, that's something that's actually new. Like as of like this week, I started posting a clip a day on YouTube. That's fucking great. Uh, on, on my Instagram Huge. and uh, on uh, Twitter. And I just take, I got this hard drive that I stick in my bag when I'm on the road. And, you know, it's got like 150 or 200 episodes of the show on it. And I oh, get on my laptop and load up Adobe Premiere, you know, and I <laughs> do a little edit and I post it every day. It's kind of a fun little thing I've been doing. So what's what other than stand up and, and, and doing are you looking to do You're looking to do a special, right? Maybe. Yeah, I'd like to. I uh, I don't know. I, uh, I I am trying to I'm developing some television shows right now. Yeah. Um, there is a, a new version of uh, sort of the Tom Green show that we're developing with a really cool network. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what network it don't. is yet. Yeah. Don't. 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 Yeah, I, yeah, because yeah. I, because I <laughs> yeah, yeah. just it's easier that way. But I yeah. mean, unless. I mean, we just, just did the deal for it. It's sort of like a, a special episode we're going to do. And then we're going to see oh, how really? it goes. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of like a, a new version of the Tom Green show. So I'm doing that. And um, and developing a, uh, I'm actually developing a sitcom with the CBC in Canada. Oh yeah. So it's a, uh, it's something that I've written, and we have sort of a development order going on with that. So we'll see if we can get that going. That might be cool. And uh, yeah, stuff. I'm just always kind of trying to do stuff like that. I feel like every, I've got a podcast too. By the way, I record it just, uh, I just record it with my phone. To be honest with you. Really? Yeah, I've got, I've got this uh, little studio thing. I have a little mic that plugs in, and I got this little setup that I, I basically. But I'm not like I've not been very, uh, you know, consistent with it in the last few months. But I uh, sometimes on the road I'll just pull out this little recording thing and interview someone on the street or something like that. So it's on my website, TomGreen.com. Everybody, TomGreen.com. That's, a, that's a, yeah. the early adapter yeah, of the. Uh, but really, follow me on Instagram because Instagram is my favorite. That's yeah, what I are like, you just Tom like Green the, on Instagram? Tom Green on Instagram. Yeah, I've been posting little right clips, now. little video clips. And, uh, and, uh, it's fun. It's, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, you know, they, they, they almost, I feel like they work better on Instagram in some ways. Cause I take a clip that was two minutes long and then I go and I re-edit it and I make it a one minute long clip and it's like faster paced. And, and I think in this day and age of attention span, the attention span of, for social media, we've become accustomed to just watching a one minute video. So this when is I was great. Is this? Is is this the the video? The, yeah, that's, that's this funny. fucking. Yeah. yeah, I posted that yesterday. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, Eric Andre owes you residuals. That's me destroying the set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I start, we used to destroy the set all the time. So. Oh, this is. The, by the way, the quality of this is fantastic. When you said he has all the yeah. tapes, I thought so. It was actually, be that that is not a VHS. Okay. That that is that is from the Comedy Network series, which was after the public. If you if you go look a couple posts back, there's one that says Christmas special. It's yeah. just a still image. It's not video. Yeah, that's that's from the VHS. You'll see a dramatic drop in quality. I was like I was like holy shit! This yeah. guy was like, yeah, but, this is. But there's something cool about a shitty VHS tape being digitized and put online because yeah, it's got is. all this like pixelation and it almost just looks like one of those filters that you've put on to make it look shitty, but it's not. It just actually is shitty. <laughs> I can't, you know, I mean, there's so many times that I would do a pilot and we'd be doing something interactive where we're like, where it was, uh, um, fucking 
I mean, I did, I did so much of it. Uh, I had this show called Hurt Burt where I took dangerous jobs for a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, I remember the note being like, like make it funny like Tom Green. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, I, and I was so fucking scared because mm-hmm. I was like a wildlife photographer with great white sharks out of the cage and yeah. like a rodeo clown. And I fought a bear and a dominatrix gimp. Yeah. And I was like, and I literally... I watched some of the footage and I was like, this, not only is this, I've made it a lot funnier when I tell the stories of it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's me just being fucking terrified. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> want to be funny when the great weird shark's there. Just be nice. Dude, I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's the comedy in this? Like, I remember getting out of the cage and they're like, all right, cool. I remember they, I remember they were making cheeseburgers at the time on the boat. Yeah. One of the best cheeseburgers I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. That woman made- The last cheeseburger is always the best tasting cheeseburger. They were making them. It's and, your last meal, right? You might yeah. as well and savor every- drop i remember they said to me and john manley do you guys want cheeseburgers and i said yeah i'll take a double cheeseburger and he's like we're gonna hop out of the cage Uh we get out of the cage all of a sudden great white shark shows up and he's like you can see the shadow in the back and it's just moving with such integrity like Uh just and and he's like all right everyone out everyone out i was like cheeseburger ate a cheeseburger watched the great white shark circle the cage and i was like fuck this wow wow but then you actually were in with the great white shark i I was in the water with him but not like I, i didn't like I didn't like, uh, I wasn't like. But out of a cage? Shark? Out of a cage, yeah. Saw, out of a cage, shark. Oh, out of a cage, lots of sharks. We yeah. were out of the cage. Great whites, them. though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue sharks were all around yeah. us, and then the blues disappeared. Wow. And they were like, do you guys want cheeseburgers? I was like, yeah, I'll take a double. And yeah. all of a sudden. I swam with shadow. reef sharks once. But oh, yeah? Those don't attack people. Ever. Yeah. Really? Well, supposedly. <laughs> they still made you. Uh, we, we shot that for MTV. We went down with reef sharks in the Bahamas, but, uh, but like. Uh, you know, the bit was, you know, okay, no, they don't ever attack people. And then the guy's, but can you sign this release form, please? In case they attack you, we're not liable. You said they don't attack people. Well, they don't, but can you sign this release form, please? Then he pans the clipboard out and he's got scars on his hand. What are those scars on your hand? Oh, I was feeding them. They yeah. were trying to get the tuna out of my hand. Well, you said they don't attack you. You got scars on your hand. Anyways, but those were like, it was an amazing experience though. I, I, love, I loved it. I loved scuba diving and all that. Yeah. But uh, these were like, non man eaters so I, I would never do that i would never get in I've, the been water in, I've been in with a great white shark i've been in the cage with a great white shark a, lo- a lot of times yeah um i've been in cages with sharks a lot of times yeah um and then out of the cage a couple times yeah that's cool yeah well, it was you know I've, I've i think i've had uh interesting life experiences but whatever whatever they are whenever you see them I'm, i tell them so much better on stage yeah i think that i think what i learned in all my years of television is uh, don't do television just live the life experience and talk about it on stage yeah, yeah yeah i remember i fell off a waterfall and uh i was in the hospital and and i posted a picture of me in a in a in a neck brace on a backboard ouch and um i was driving to the hospital i was driving to the airport and uh and I, I was just scrolling through comments and some guy wrote, hey man, don't fucking kill yourself for a shitty TV show. Uh-huh. They're like, we only want, we only like your stand-up and your podcast. Uh-huh. Like, we don't watch this shit. And uh-huh. then like like a month later, I run into Rogan and Burr who said the same thing. They're like, man, you're not like a, like you're not like a, a movie star or anything like you're just a, it's on travel channel it's not that great like you should just do stand-up and i was like <laughs> i'm getting a lot of that just do stand-up and then like cut to a month later i get fired and i'm like looks like i just do stand-up now yeah, yeah. and now i think i don't i don't know if you could pay me to do television yeah yeah i got an offer from travel channel and i was just like mm, i'm gonna pass it's uh it's a whole other thing i don't think people unless they've done a television show understand how 
frustrating it can be you yeah. know, just because of the creative sort of uh, complexity of working with others you know yeah. it's not always easy for people that are very you know have a very f focused and clear vision of what they want to do and then enter 25 other people who also have a clear vision of what they want to do and making that team of people work together and try to create something together that sort of closely represents what you want to do as the guy who's on camera yeah who's responsible for everything ultimately the one who bears the brunt of the failure you know, yeah. you know? is your name on it yeah you yeah, know so you kind of like always kind of like well yeah i know you really want to you know make me jump off a waterfall right now but you know yeah yeah um, do you still talk to Norm? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't talked to him in a little while, but, uh, but uh, so I haven't talked to him in about a year or so. But, I got a text uh, from him. Yeah. I got a text from him. Yeah. Random, but it was really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to get, if you could, I, I would love to get you on my cooking show. I would yeah, love I know. to get you on my I cooking show. Yeah, I know. I wanted to, and I was so bummed that I couldn't do the one with Harlan. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great, that's right. Yeah, that a great right. episode. Yeah, with, that was a great episode. Michael yeah, Rosenbaum's yeah, fucking yeah, awesome. I love Michael too. You know, like, we're all buddies. Harlan's uh, one of my best friends, like I said. Harlan's so that would have been a blast. Harlan texted kind of with me yeah. uh, right after it aired, and he was like, "Dude, thanks. It was so much fucking yeah, fun." Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, and then I I was with uh, I was with another comedian, Shane Torres, and I was like, "Dude, Harlan Williams just texted me," and he's like, "I thought I'd never hear that. I'd never thought I'd ever hear someone say, Hey, Harlan Williams just texted me.'" <laughs> and I I told I'm not good at replying at texts, mm -hmm. and it took me like a legit. 24 hours to come up with the reply text yeah because so i was like what do i say to him i go i just give you my phone just you because you have no emotional attachment to it just reply back and yeah. he was like i think you just say hey thanks and i was it's like an okay. amazing experience getting a text message from harlan williams it's a, i met harlan when i was 16 years old at yuck yucks at the comedy club in ottawa <laughs> i was there to see him probably for the 10th time and after the show i walked up to him my friend Phil, who was the guy who drank coffee in the window in the Tom Green show, I walked up to Harland. He didn't know me, and I was just a kid in the audience, and I was like, you know, Mr. Williams, um, can uh, my friend and I take you out for a submarine sandwich tomorrow? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right yeah. in his personality yeah, yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah, for a submarine sandwich. And he said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll, absolutely there, you little fella. Come on, we'll go for a submarine sandwich tomorrow. I'll meet you right here out in front of the club tomorrow at noon. Okay, great. So the next day we showed up. We took him out to the sandwich shop next door, had sandwiches with him. I remember he was drinking his Coca-Cola, and he, when he drinks Coca-Cola, he'll like, or anything, he'll like... <laughs> slurp it right we just thought that was so hilarious you know it's like i don't know what year this was i was 16 so uh i don't know 87 or something like that and then um you know 10 years later right before my show was on mtv i got cast in the movie superstar so With I was, molly shannon yeah i yeah. was a little part in that my this, was before the show, this was before the show was on MTV, but Bruce McCullough from the Kids in the Hall was directing it, and he had been watching my show on public access in Canada, so he gave me this little part in the in, the, in that movie, and Harlan was in that. So then I met Harlan there. He was the bad again. boy. That's, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. So I met Harlan again there, and I was like, you know, hey, you remember me like 10 years ago? I took you out for a submarine center. Oh, yeah, I remember you there, little Billy, you know? And uh, 
So we played like backgammon on the set every day. It was like really super cool. I love backgammon. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the last time and first time I ever played it. But we, we. Oh. and then uh, and then a few years later, like two years later, the show was on MTV. I did Freddie Got Fingered. Harlan came into Freddie Got Fingered, and now like Harlan and I are like like best buddies. You know, that's crazy. And we walk. All, you ever want to go walk? You ever go walk? Yeah. You ever like walking in the canyons? Yeah. Harlan and I go walking in the canyons all the time. You ever want to come with us? It's fun. hundred percent. Yeah, I'll text you next time we go for a walk in the canyon. Please do. Um, we do. I, I know secret. I know the secret canyons of like this area of Los Angeles. Really? I don't even want to tell, say what area or or where the secret canyons are because then they wouldn't be secret canyons. But I know like insane, hidden, like where like like a seven minute drive from here. And you're walking through like you feel like you're in the woods, like you're really yeah, you're, like pathways with like little streams and eucalyptus trees, and it's just like you know, and you can walk for miles. Dude, I'm in December. Secret entrances up to these these canyons. Dude, I'm definitely in. I'm gonna make yeah. sure I have your number. Yeah. and text back and forth. Yeah, it's fun. That would be fucking great. It's fun. We I go, would love we, that. We go, go grab lunch and then go take a walk in the canyon. Do you still drink? Yeah, I yeah. drink. Yeah, I drink. I don't drink ever my 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 what i've just what i've found is best for me is i don't drink before i go on stage me either during although everyone will disagree with what i just said yeah, but me either yeah, yeah i stopped doing that a few years ago and i actually try not to drink the night before i have a show so oh, when really? i go on a, on a yeah so when i go to stand up on I definitely don't do that yeah if i do like a you know a friday and saturday night or thursday friday saturday night a club i try not to drink the Friday night after the show. And then Saturday night after the show, if I don't have a show the next day, then I'll have a few drinks. Sometimes I'll have a beer or two after the show Friday night, but I don't really consider that drinking. Yeah, yeah. I've, you know, I, it's I, like, I've said that to my wife. I've woken up. Like, I, didn't really, I didn't even drink last night. She's like, you had three beers. I go, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't count. Yeah, I didn't have six shots of Jameson. Yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't and get fucking wasted yeah, and yeah. put on a cowboy hat and go to my man cave and smoke yeah. weed. I think we're like at around this sort of age now where it your body doesn't process the hangover the same way as it did 10 years ago. It just started happening to me. Yeah. It yeah. just literally, I was thinking that this morning. I'm not sure how old you are. I'm 46. I'm 46. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 47. So it started happening for me like um, about two years ago. Where two years, yeah. It really changed. Like it really changed. Like the hangover lasts four days. It's like, mm -hmm. what? You still like last maybe one day or maybe till noon the next day till noon i could write the boat at noon yeah but now now it's like all of a sudden two years ago it'd be like i i drink friday night after the show and then saturday night on stage i'd be still hung over on stage and i said this is not this is not good i know you just did the sober october i was yeah. like following on instagram i saw you did the sober october with uh with with uh tom and joe, joe did it too yeah. right so I did that once. I didn't do it in October, but I did it about like uh, about a year ago. I tried to see how long I could go without having a drink. And I went uh, eight weeks, eight weeks, I did two great. months. And the first two, three weeks of it were horrible. Like I felt like horrible, uh, but I, I, I powered through it. And then by the like fourth week, I actually started feeling like really good. Yeah. Like really good, like feel like I actually felt good, you know, like, like, like which was really amazing. And I started doing like, you know, I, I try to do a lot of crowd work in my shows. Like I, 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 I edited most of it out of that uh, that episode, but that I posted on YouTube. But uh, that set that I post on YouTube. But I, I, I do a lot because it just keeps it fun for me. I do like 
you know, sometimes about 20 minutes of just like riffing. Yeah. But, you know, maybe 15, you know, just riffing. Just keep it fresh. And But when I was like, um, I noticed like when I, when I, once I got to that third week of not having a drink, like my mind was like operating like at a different capacity yeah. than I'd ever noticed. Like, like I was like coming up with elaborate, intricate scenarios in the crowd work that like every, I had every, like every person I talked to by the end of it, all were linked together in some sort of common thread of comedy. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. I should not drink. I'm like a way better oh, comedian yeah. if I'm not drinking. But I started drinking again. Oh, I was like that with getting up and going like, wow, I'm getting a lot of shit done. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm yeah. getting my whole day. I'm starting in the morning and yeah. going through it. Yeah. And I'm like getting up at, I would get up at like 5.45 and go work out. Yeah. Go for a run in the morning. And I was like, this is, I feel phenomenal. Yeah. I'm keeping this up. You know what? There's going to be a lifestyle change. Yeah. Cut to November 15th. I've drank every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think I drink, I didn't drink like, maybe I didn't drink a couple days, but yeah. like tonight, I'm, I'm, when I go to San Francisco, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink on the plane because I always drink on planes. I'm not like when I get to the airport today. I'm yeah. not going to get a drink before I get on the you plane. You got the three uh, bottles of in your uh, is it uh, vodka? Well, it was vodka on your Instagram recently, but it's whiskey that you carry on the plane. I usually right? carry Jack on the plane. Yeah, yeah. Jack on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. and so no <laughs> drinks on the plane. I'll get to the, yeah, I the was Tito's like, recently in the hotel room. Oh yeah, oh yeah, three bottles of Tito's. Tito's. Yeah, they were in my bag yeah, yeah. next to some uh, lotion and a towel. Yeah. The, oh yeah, that's right. I, that's that's I, I hesitated to bring up that part. No, no, no. But uh, but yeah, I'm gonna. It was very considerate of you to be that open with your fans i used to do this thing i used to do this thing called is lotion a thing that is like look like you use the hotel lotion oh, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. Your, every time your sometimes thing. it backfires sometimes it's a very uh, fragrant lotion yeah that's maybe got some stinging have like an allergic reaction to sometimes. the lilac lotion <laughs> i have i definitely have <laughs> but uh i used to do this thing called what will the maid think and it I came up with the idea because I was leaving the I used to leave the room in these elaborate Mm -hmm. they're really they really are the funniest maybe the funniest thing I've ever done in my entire life Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'd leave the room in these elaborate uh, ways and it it all started because as I was leaving a hotel room one time um, there was lotion and a towel next to the bed and I was like I can't leave it like that I gotta throw the maid off I gotta I gotta and so I ended up taking a pillow, putting my shirt over it, mm-hmm. and like a collared shirt, and then shoving it into a refrigerator so it looked like a torso. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it's like, oh, uh-huh. when she opens that, then she won't even notice uh-huh. the lotion and the... Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. You're like amazing. leaving my shoes underneath the curtains yeah. so it looked like someone was standing behind the curtains. I, yeah. I did... Do you do the old take a shit on the bed gag? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. no. I never did that either. <laughs> i never Dude, did i never did that actually this has been uh this has been perfect i laid in bed with my wife this morning and i said tom green's coming over and i don't know what to talk to him about because he had such a great interview with tom and push and she goes what do you want to talk to him about and i go i want to talk about like what the ups and downs are like emotionally in life yeah. in, in in his career mm-hmm. she was like ask him that and i go oh okay mm-hmm. and she was like yeah ask him that and i was like oh cool yeah, and so I feel like I, I, I would anytime you ever want to do my podcast. Oh, that's please awesome! Please open invite. Meaning, like, even I know you're you're getting ready to go on a big world tour. You were talking about that. 
Yeah. On the on the. It's really. It's. I mean, I'm I'm doing an Asian tour next year, but it's really only two and a half weeks of of, of in Asia. But that's in April, fucking great, Singapore. April, so that'll be cool. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm just sort of touring the country. You know, now I've got shows uh, next weekend in Buffalo, New York. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the one after that. Then I'm Sunday night in Toronto, and then uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Where is Lapping Post? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I've hey. never been there before, but or yeah. maybe it's been a few years. But and Muskegon, and those are my last shows of the year. And then I'm back at it in the new year. So, dude, well, hit me up to go hiking. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that'd be I would awesome. Absolutely love this. I love it. Yeah, dude, it is. It is. As a fan, it is a pleasure getting to know you. Likewise, absolutely. this is Likewise. this, this is, cool. is amazing, man. So. That's what these podcasts are all about. You know, it's it's great. Great to be able to hang with you like this. I'm sorry I wasn't able to get here sooner. I know we we've sort of no 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 missing each other. Dude, this you know? is perfect. This has been yeah. perfect. I'm so yeah. glad I I'm so glad I got. I to love the setup you. too. By the way, this is like the like the best room ever. Yeah, this is all like a reclaimed uh, reclaimed wood, lumber reclaimed from a, a lumber from 200, barns. Two hundred year old barn in yeah, Indiana. It's beautiful. Did you put that in? Uh, no, DIY Networks has a show called Man Caves. Okay, and they built this oh, whole thing for me. Wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. I tried to get that on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I couldn't get them to do that for me. That was that's a sweet setup. Oh, hundred eighty thousand dollars. They killed it, man. I yeah. love that reclaimed wood reclaimed barn wood i did not understand what it was they yeah. brought it in and i was like you're gonna redo my yeah. man cave with all that shit yeah and yeah. they're like don't worry it's gonna look good aged cedar dude and it's gotta it's gotta smell it although my daughters say it smells like it smells like sweat mm. they're like it's, you smell like sweat in no, here dad cedar it's a nice cedar smell yeah. very canadian well very thank nice. you so much tom thanks, i appreciate Bert. it man. thanks man <laughs> fuck yeah bye everyone This episode was brought to you by The Machine.